You've eaten Gotham's wealth, its spirit, but your feast is nearly over. This is not my hole. It's an operating table. And I'm the surgeon. Why aren't you laughing? From this moment on, none of you are safe. Welcome to the Batman Book Club, a podcast exploring the Dark Knight Library. I'm your host, Ryan Lauer. The Batman Book Club is a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network, hosted by BatmanOnFilm.com. Just go to BatmanPodcastNetwork.com for a whole list of other Batman-related shows that cover all sorts of a variety of nerdy topics that we would all love to frolic about in our free time. Thank you for tuning in to episode number 50, 10 Favorite Batman stories now given this is a little bit of a mild milestone episode for the batman book club coming in just over a year since the debut of the show we're at episode 50 now and i wanted to mix up the formula just a little bit i want to celebrate batman in story form because it's the whole reason for the show it's the whole point of the show so i didn't bring in one guest i didn't bring in two guests i brought in three guests for the first time ever on the Batman Book Club. So, first off, let's go. Let's shoot them off from Batman on Film. Also, Robin, everyone loves the Drake, as well as the runner of the best damn website covering Super Mario Brothers, the movie. It is Mr. Ryan Haas. Ryan, welcome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you we're going to, to call you Ryan. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. You can call me Mr. Haas. You can call Mr. me the sheriff. You can call me whatever. <laughs> it's weird. This is the first uh, Batman Book Club recording I've been on, too, that's been through Zoom. So it's quite a treat yeah. to see you uh, be so animated. I now I know like what you look like when you podcast. <laughs> Normally, it's just like, Ryan Lauer, I have energy. But now I'm seeing you like drink the Mountain Dew and I'm, get all I'm into it. Chugging. I'm usually doing jumping jacks. I'm all over the damn place. And you just heard <laughs> another giggle. You just heard another giggle. Identify also the from, giggle. That's today's game. <laughs> yes. Identify the giggle. Uh, also from Batman on film. He is one half of the Straight Outta Gotham podcast. He is the, the manual spot in any Italian deli in New Jersey. It is Mr. Peter R. Vera. Peter, hello. What's the R stand for? Uh, it's in ho me. Hope. <laughs> <laughs> it winds like a river. <laughs> uh hey what's going on guys it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here i feel like we just did this last night uh yeah we we sort of did and yeah. that's because you just heard another giggle uh we're gonna identify that giggle as well and he was the third piece of that sandwich that we just recorded also from batman on film and the very popular free garrett wado twitter account it's mr <laughs> minnesota himself garrett grev Hello, hey Gary. guys. Hey, Hello. it's great to be here. You know, I was going to say, <laughs> Peter, Peter just like cracked me up so good with what was the R for? It's for hope. I was going to say, Ryan, it's, it's Peter M. Vera, and the M is from Minnesota, because one day he's going to fly his butt here, and we're going to like go out on the back dish. porch and like eat, well, like hot, hot dish, hot dish is going to be in the <laughs> oven in the car, or in the car, in the house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we'll be outside with like a pork butt just going for like nine hours, you know, like real yeah. fall apart tender. And we're going to drink like a hundred beers and just have a great time. But until then, we'll do Zoom podcasts with one another. So, yeah, I'm well, this just here. this just goes to show you, like, don't try and plan like you're going to write out some kind of really witty, funny 
introduction for somebody because then when the time comes, you can't freaking read your handwriting. So then I was, uh, <laughs> wait, did I put, and I, I realized, I don't even know why I said Peter Arvera because I didn't even write down Peter Arvera. So I don't know what the hell just happened. So um, oh, it's a great, it's a great start. It's a uh, great start, gentlemen, that um, we, we threw this idea out and discussed of doing it to celebrate all things Batman. And I wanted to do it with my Bat brothers. We thought it would be fun. And then we, I think you guys all agreed to it. And then once it became real, like this past week on, all right, we still good to record it was kind of a collective oh shit wait what's our homework <laughs> oh hell we gotta narrow down our 10 favorite batman stories it sounds so simple but only only nerds understand how stressful it can really be to narrow something down to a a certain number so i had a, i had some troubles did you guys have some troubles well i'll say like not even down to a certain number because you can kind of get to like if you give me a hoss you give me assignment you need mm-hmm. 10 stories. I can, I can serve you up 10 stories. If it's Super Mario Brothers, you're like, hey, Garrett, you come on. Uh, we're going to talk Mario Brothers on some program. Give me your favorite 10 Mario Brothers things. I can do it. But like what I know I'm going to come with that is like the 10 most obvious Mario Brothers choices ever. Right? <laughs> because one, I'm not, two, Mario, I'm like, Luigi, Princess Toad 3. I like the one on Super Nintendo. The what was the one where Luigi had to find the ghosts or whatever it was? Luigi's Mansion. It's yeah, a whole that franchise. One, I love that now. one. There's three See, of those. Really. But that's, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that'd be like a deeper cut. So I was like being, yeah. I'm not a Super Mario Brothers super fan. So when Ryan Lauer asked me on his Batman thing, I'm like, well, I am a Batman super fan. Uh, I don't want to come with like basic Becky Batman list, but... <laughs> uh, uh you're gonna hear some of the greatest hits i hope you're not looking for deep cuts from this guy you want the mount rushmore times two plus one this is this is gonna be it's it's coca-cola classic coming from me yeah i I got the crystal pepsi choices on this on this good good right i I think i got a couple oddball choices i got i think i got two that uh or at least one that i think is going to be unique to my list Mm. hopefully but i mean when you deal with ryan haas there are you can be uh you can pretty much guess that he's gonna chris clow you there so oh man yeah. wow that's that's an amazing <laughs> oh yeah live up to that there. live up to that bar yeah why don't you know well, i just oh, thought geez. that like because i didn't know i knew the, that's what ho- the homework was but i didn't know if it was like part of a a single question or if it was like a big q a episode i didn't really know like where too many the context, questions I too many questions <laughs> 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 so i didn't know i didn't know i was like what 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 part of the show is this you're like that is the show that's the, whole that's the show like, oh yeah okay. it's, that's that's what we're we're just gonna celebrate because i think people love people love lists i like making lists i like hearing lists i like telling people what i think my list is and i we agree or disagree it's all good it's all in good fun um if anything it just gets us to talk more batman comics so um are you guys ready which by the way that couple minutes we just spent on uh, Mario Brothers. Let's get talking about starting a Super Mario podcast. Okay. Okay. Anyways, uh, well, don't add up. another podcast to Haas's list. He's got <laughs> yeah. like yeah. seven. Of them. It's, it's been on the list. Yeah. Maybe every oh, Azrael show. Do, 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 do. See, look at we're all we're all ready. Anyways, very, very um, excited. Let's. You mean Vera excited? And <laughs> 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 Vera. <laughs> Can we call oh, man? I, I would want to call it like. Uh, a rac- raccoon suit show or something like that. Tanuki. Tanuki yeah. They, well, I don't want to oh, use like man. the real name. Don't you oh. dare say the wrong name in yeah, front of this gentleman to, right here. Okay. <laughs> turn to stone podcast doesn't sound quite as good. You might mm-hmm. like listen at your own, you know, discretion. or it could, it could be fireball and it could be Pitbull's song as the Ooh. intro music. 
but we know the fireball is the greatest suit of all the mario suits um just an idea anyways get kowalski to do a a remix of the he could do something (laughs) something red and then pitbull song yep all right all right here we go so you know what Pete, um, I think it, it's only uh, appropriate that you kick us off because I just decided that's my apology for giving you a, a middle name that doesn't make any sense. So why don't you <laughs> kick us off? We're going we're gonna to go from, from right. 10 to 1, and maybe your guys' lists okay. weren't necessarily we're ten, go 10. from 10 to 1, but our, our last one's just going to end up like, what's your favorite uh, story? Which I know that you've all been on the show um, plenty of times. But way back when, we've been doing this for over a year now on the Batman Book Club. So some people may have forgotten. Pete, you were, you were my first. And people may have forgotten what your favorite story was when you announced that Garrett, you were only two episodes behind him. And when you said what you're, and I kind of forget what your guys' favorites are. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, well, it's not gonna... actually my, I, I, it's, it's one of my favorites. Uh, Batman Year One isn't actually my favorite Batman story of all time. No, but you were on this. You were on yeah. that show covering year one, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that was your favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was just, you were the first one that said, I want year one. Said, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Before... You want me to start, start at 10? Well, before we get into like crazy structure here, mm-hmm. I, I do know that we, we might have some honorable mentions. Now, Lauer, this is your show, obviously. So would it make more sense to do honorable mentions before we get into the list? Or would it be like anticlimactic to be like, here's our b- number one, and then go right into honorable mentions after that? Like, which, wh- where does it make the most sense to, to do that? I, I want to wait and do it because then there's... So you're saying there's a chance all the way up until we get right before we reveal our number ones, then we can say, Hey, here's our, here are the honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Peter, get us going. All right. So number 10 for me is kind of an instant classic and it's, it's relatively new actually. And uh, it's three jokers. Uh, oh, I, yeah. It, it cracked my top 10. I really fell in love with that story. Um, from everything that John's did and you just combine that with Faybox art. I, I just, I, and then, you know, the ending of the book, which I thought was masterful and just great storytelling overall. And bat, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne forgiving Joe chill. It just, it was, you know, when I said it was an instant classic, I meant it. It really cracked my top 10. So I was really proud of that one. Um, number nine. What are we doing? What am I, uh, okay. Am I not going up? Like what am I doing? You get tens across the board. Yeah. Oh, man, you're getting right. too excited yeah. here. I thought I was going to give my whole so list. This show's going to be so over excited. in five minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's uh right out the gate. Um, All right. Okay. Yeah. So uh, good, good choice. Good call. Do you, what do you think as far as like, you can give a blurb on it. Um, how does that impact you on your thoughts with the killing joke? Does it do any? Uh, oh, spoilers, I mean, by the way, anybody, spoilers, spoiling the hell out of any story that we talk about. Just throwing it out there. So there's your warning. Go ahead. For me, it just enhances the killing joke. I think, you know, okay. I, I think they're great. It's just a great companion piece. It makes the killing joke, I think, even better. You know, it solidifies the killing joke, you know, in anybody else's list. I, I love both of them equally. So, like, I think they're both really great stories. So that's just okay. Anybody else? I love Three Jokers, too. It's on my list. Do I get to talk about that? It's on my list, too. You don't have to say when, um, but I mean, he popped popped the seal on Three Jokers, so say as much or as little as you want. Three Jokers right now. Is, on, is on my list. I'll wait till we actually get to the number, I suppose. It didn't crack my top five, but it's very close. And because we mentioned the killing joke, I'll just let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> it's not on my top ten list. So okay. Three Jokers has uh, surpassed. It actually probably is responsible for bumping the killing joke mm. outside of my top 10. Interesting. 
Yeah, I know. It's just the way, hey, this list could change uh, next week, but this is the way I <laughs> felt this week. That's fair. Yeah. I'm not going to argue with you. There's a lot of great stories out there. It's hard to, mm-hmm. it's hard to just single them down to 10 that you, you know, like, you know, these are just the 10 that I love the most when I was creating this list. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was technically called 10 favorite. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that, I mean, yeah. that works perfectly. I could probably um, come up with 10 other stories next week. You know, my number yeah. one story will always be my number one, but the mm. order for the following nine will probably change. Well, Laura, yeah. that's, it's interesting that you just, you know, I think reinforce that because I, I'll say before we get into my stuff, this is definitely my 10 favorite list. It might not be the 10, like from a best. critical eye point, best, bat. These are the ones that mean the most yeah, to me. So definitely, just, definitely. Yeah, disclaimer. It's like most Batman fans say the Dark Knight is the best Batman movie, but Begins or 89 is their favorite. Or Rises. So, rises. Or, me and or rises. also on the Rises, rises. train. That's right. Yep. Or Rises. Uh, Haas, do you want to go ahead and say you're uh, number 10? Yeah, so like to, to piggyback off of off of Garrett's uh, spiel about the list, like my list isn't even necessary. Well, it is my favorites. These are all favorite stories of mine, but it, but I, I went into this thinking like, oh man, I need to do research. I need to look up. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. What I'm going to do, what I actually did was I was like, I'm not going to do any research. I'm going to do nothing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull in the collective mm-hmm. consciousness of my 33 years of being a Batman fan and just imagine. You I'll came out imagine. the womb. You came out yes. the womb. Batman. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I had to like imagine <laughs> the, uh, I was like, which, which stories do I just like immediately jump to in my mind? And so those are the 10 that I wrote down. Um, but yeah, three jokers, I will spoil my number because you know, I don't, I don't want this show to be 50 hours long, but like, uh, well, I actually don't care. But <laughs> well, Three Jokers for me is number nine. Um, okay. And and yes, like Garrett, uh, The Killing Joke is also not on my list. And I do think that is pretty indicative of Three Jokers quality. I don't, I think I might have talked about it on a show. I don't know. I think I did. Yeah. on uh, Maybe on the Batman Book Club in one of the earlier segments, like, what are you reading? It was obviously around the time Three Jokers was out. And I, I do think it enhances absolutely enhances uh the killing joke without overriding it or rewriting it too much like it still stands alone both stories stand alone both stories work together they both enhance each other if if you want them to they don't have to if you don't want them to it's like really a perfect not 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 really spiritual successor it's a successor um but choose your own adventure choose your own adventure it's it's just like any comic book it's like you know continuity is a state of mind kind of thing but like three jokers is a amazing companion to the killing joke and it in my opinion makes it better and um there's just so i can't think of a batman story that had just immediately like a giant lightning bolt uh you know like the dark knight returns lightning bolt kind of came down in like uh i'm not going to say united batman fandom but the people that were read it and enjoyed it we were discussing it and talking about it and dissecting it. And um, it's, it's the first story in a long time that's felt like a true instant classic. And uh, a lot of the people that, uh, that we've talked to that have reviewed it and read it, I mean, it seemed like that, that was a worthwhile event and it's, and it hasn't really like a lot of comic book stories kind of has a bunch of hype and then you read it and then it's like, Oh, well that was just a setup for the next story. But this one is, I don't think it's really like that. And the way that that, Book. Because all of us read it as it was coming out. And as it was thank, coming out. Thank goodness that we did, because otherwise you can fall into that hype trap. 
Exactly. Sure. We didn't fall into the hype trap. And on the DCN, they released it very nicely and consistently. So it was yep, on easier time. on time. It was easy to keep up with. And the quality was just so ridiculously amazing. So yeah. as a, as a uh, well-executed comic book event, you really can't get too much better than that. Well, so yeah, three jokers. Great. That's awesome. number nine. What's your number 10? Nine. My Unless 10? Gary, you're commenting on this. I was going to say, as long as we're okay. given the numbers, it's number seven for me. Um, and it felt like, you know, as, as a, this is probably the second time I don't want to open another comic book up yet. Cause I think it'll be on our list, but it's the second time in my adult life that I've read something and felt like I'm watching an, a, a classic. Like this feels like what it had yeah. to feel like when, from you the know. first issue. Yeah, yeah, when Year One came out or when Dark Knight Returns came out, this has to feel what it was like to be, you know, a, it, an adult comic book reader in the 80s. And um, it, mm-hmm. it reminded me of, because, you know, you guys know I'm a big fan of, um, you know, one of the greatest rock and roll bands ever, Weezer. Uh, when the Blue Album <laughs> came out and I was just a wee, wee lad and I had my first wee CD Weezer. player. And I was like, I love this band. And my dad was like, well, uh, let's listen to that. What's that? And he he listened to it. He's like, that shit. No, man, just the opposite. He okay. was like, he was. My dad's like, no, this is an album. These guys will be around for a while. People remember this one. He goes, this this kind of reminds me of like a like cheap trick, cheap uh, cheap trick meets the Beatles. Like these guys will be around. Okay. And I was like, see, and it wasn't his thing, but when you mm-hmm. saw it and you experienced it, you knew that it was something. And it was mm-hmm. going to be around for a while. Mm-hmm. So even the people that like, you know, because you saw some of the responses and was like, meh. I'm like, okay. But even I'm the math, even the math <laughs> right. people talked about it for weeks and weeks and weeks. So yeah, that says something. It sure yeah. does. I feel like you can make that argument about BVS. <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's, <if you> <laughs> it's epic. All right. So Hoss, what do you got for 10? So for 10, let's see. So we were talking about like, I said, you can't, for three jokers, you can't really get a better, you know, more well-executed comic book event. But I kind of lied because number 10 on my list is also that. And it's something I've talked about before. It's something that um, got me back into, or actually it was, the th- it was the story responsible for getting me to read Batman comics on a monthly basis. And I never really stopped, you know, uh, for the most part uh, since. And um I would be remiss if I didn't put this on the list because uh, Batman Hush is just a stone cold classic. I mean, it just, you can't like anybody that says Batman Hush is whatever. Like, I don't know. Overrated. What com- I don't know. I don't know what Batman comics you've been reading, but Batman Hush deserves a spot on, on a favorites list because it is such a perennial, like favorite because you can read it like anytime and get something out of it. And it's fun. It's not, and not that it's pop- popcorn fluff and not that it's super hard and, you know, serious or whatever. It, it has a really good tone, really good balance. Mm-hmm. The art of course is Jim Lee's like big introduction into the DC world. So the, the, you have that one, two punch of the Jim Lee art and the Jeff Loeb writing. And um, it feels like the, you know, like the quintessential has been said many times, but it's like the, the Michael Bay version of a, of a Batman comic book story event. And it's kind of, it's pretty much true. And I got to read that as a kid every month as it came out. And I started with 608 because I knew 
it just was very hyped up. We had a local comic book store, so I was able to actually go and get the issues every month, and they came out, for, I believe, for the most part on time. 608's got a great cover. Yeah, it does. And so, like, every month it was like, it was like a water cooler type of discussion. Even as a kid, it was like, oh, man, this thing happened in this issue. What's going to happen in the next one? Is Robin really back? And who's Hush and all that? So it was a really cool, like you can read this one comic and kind of follow along with it and not really have to be concerned with like the larger, like DC universe and events like that. The comic that Batman series was the event. And that is such a great feeling when you can just read that like regular Batman comic book. And that is the event. And um, that plus, you know, the pedigree of, of, uh, you know, Loeb and, and uh, Jim me? Lee, like Loeb and yeah. me, Loeb and me, like, it's it's you just can't you can't get away from it and it's been like the cornerstone i think i think it's probably like i don't know like a gotta be like the start of dc's like modern like era really like yeah a lot of things can be traced back to that it's their summer blockbuster in comics so um yeah definitely it paved Um, the way for so much afterwards so and it's i think that that's definitely on somebody's uh or many people's top list i will uh, spoiler alert here that i do not have hush on my list oh my gosh does not mean that i don't like the story i like when i do get around to it and reading it and such but as far as my 10 favorites it is not one of my 10 favorites i'm gonna i'm gonna piggyback off lauer here it's in my honorable mentions it's not in my top 10 wow well i will piggyback off of haas it is 100 (laughs) percent on my list and in fact it's number four uh damn it's way high up there for me um and, it, and it's for a lot of the reasons that Ryan said. I remember we still had, between my brother and I, a subscription to Wizard, the guide to comics. Um, and uh, it was really hyped up in Wizard. There was, you saw some of the first artwork from Jim Lee that he was doing for DC in those There was Wizard a special issues. story in Wizard. Yes, there was. It was a big, the, yeah. a big, yep. And um, they actually had uh, a number of pages um, with Croc from early on um, that were in Wizard first. And I just Might be couldn't... Might be favorite version of Croc. I, I couldn't... Be, yeah, totally, man. It was kind of the lizard Croc. I just couldn't believe it. Like my my early, you know, early 90s child um, hunting down any comic book that we could find in small town northern Minnesota, you know, would see, you know, X-Men Jim Lee. And then, um, you know, even small town bookstores were ordering image books because the hype was so high and like wildcats Jim Lee. And I just <laughs> never really imagined there'd be a world where Jim Lee would work for DC, which is crazy to say now, right? Like it's, it, it seems nuts to say that through a modern lens. Dude, he basically but, runs it. <laughs> yeah. But back yeah. then DC Literally. and Jim Lee were not things that you would think of being super right. compatible, not from an art style, not from like a really art style, but just sort of like the proclivities of the way he framed characters. Like that was not DC's art directive at all and or storytelling motifs really. And it blew my mind. I love Hush. It's probably one of the books that I reread the most because it's not a short read. But I'll give you that. So fast. It's, I mean, if I reread it somewhat often, if I just want flat out uh, fun Batman story, that's one that I will grab. Ryan, doesn't that mean favorites? No, not necessarily, but it is one that I'll go back and I'll and I'll read a lot. So, okay, Garrett, what about your number ten? My number ten, it might be controversial. When I've shared this opinion in the past, I wasn't even sure, first of all, that this book would end up on my top ten list because there's a number of things that I don't that just don't speak to me personally about 
what I love and appreciate about Batman, you know, sort of the fabric of what has made me a Batman fan for all these years, but it is historically very important. And we don't get a lot of things. You don't get Batman 89 without it. You don't, you know, have um, certainly Batman versus Superman without it. Um, I don't love, 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 love the Dark Knight Returns, but I value it. And I appreciate it. I understand its importance. And for that reason, I've read it a lot. And it's always on my recommendation list because it feels like required reading, even if it's not your absolute favorite thing. Yeah. So it makes my top 10 list for that reason. Um, you know, it is clearly important, is a, a monumental, you know, part of DC history and the evolution of the character. Mm-hmm. And really what DC shifted into with a marketing campaign in the 80s about like these books, you know, I won't say the line right, but it's like not just for kids anymore, right? That was, that was sort of a big focus, particularly in the Bat universe in the 80s. And this continued movement away from what the pop culture collective idea of what Batman was for years, even though we had been through the 70s and Denny had been on the book forever, it still wasn't quite there yet. And The Dark Knight Returns changed that. Um, you've changed things, right? Like it's, 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 it was huge. It was huge. And the story is enjoyable. It is not my favorite representation of Batman um, because I think uh, it, it speaks, it's it, sort of the same way that the Dark Knight Rises doesn't speak to me in the same way that other people do. My Batman doesn't take breaks. He doesn't retire for a while. Like he either lives forever and we never see the end or he is taken out of the mission before he would ever choose to be out of it. And that's just me, right? That's a, that's a me thing. That's why it's my list and not like this definitive critical approach to the list. And something about that just never quite clicked. Over the years, um, I've sort of gone back and forth on how highly and how favorably I think of it. It's back up there a little bit now. That's why it's made the top 10 list. But at other times, it wouldn't have been on this list. So for historical importance, um, you know, the art uh, is clearly, you know, gorgeous uh, and, and so like of its time, but also, you know, advancing beyond its time. Mm-hmm. And the way that it changed the perception of of the character within sort of the larger collective culture is is really what gets it up, you know, cracks the top ten for old Garrett. Uh, yeah, that so, is, okay. go ahead, Pete. No, no, no. I was, I was just saying, like, I agree with you to an extent. Like, I don't love it. It's not. It's in my honorable mentions, but it historically it is, it is a classic Batman tale. You know, just what he what he means, what his return means, what his legacy means, how people carry on that legacy towards the end of the book. But it is it's a deconstruction of the character. So therefore, like, I, it's not something that I would introduce to someone who is new to comics. You know, yeah. it's like, it's almost like the end result. Like, you need to read a bunch more Batman before you can get to the oh, Dark yeah. Returns Absolutely. so you can truly appreciate it more. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, like, oh, I'm new to comics. My favorite book is Watchmen. It's like, well, you've never experienced anything yet. You've started at the end. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like that. that. It's like telling somebody to read, like, Grant Morrison's Batman run if they haven't read like any Batman ever. It's like you're well, not gonna really appreciate it exactly without reading everything that's come before yeah. it. And that's it's it's literally the cherry on top, you know, because it's once you collect all those other things and you get to that point where you can understand the meanings behind the story, you'll have much greater appreciation for what it is. But like historically, like <clears throat> without the Dark Knight Returns, we probably don't have the comic books, you know, we yeah. wouldn't have Killing Joke, Three Jokers, those things. Like we just wouldn't. I've got uh on it, this is its marks its 35th anniversary this year, and the walking human encyclopedia known as Robert Reinecke 
is going to return to the show Ooh, to uh, nice. break down everything Dark Knight Returns. I'm very excited for that. Is that going to be like a four-hour show? That's a deep I'm, show. I'm just going to be his student, and I'm just going to let him just t- take me to the time because that's something that's really great. Fantastic. It's like many people's number one Batman story of all time is the Dark Knight Returns. And so to actually have somebody who was there at the time and to give that kind of insight of what it was like at the time of its release and everything, I, I'm, I'm really excited to hear all about that. So that's going to come uh, sometime this year. And I will also end that by saying it's not on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I also think like, even though we're talking Batman here for you, like you guys and people that have heard me on, you know, other shows, know what Superman means to me. And I think the depiction of Superman for me in this book holds it back. You know, it's not Batman of itself, but I thought it was, you know, it was, it was Miller doing a thing with Superman and using Superman to fill a narrative need as opposed to writing Superman himself, which has always rubbed me just a bit the wrong way. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that was when I finally got to see this or read it. When I finally read it, I was really late to the game and reading it. And I was really happy because I saw Batman beat the hell out of Superman. And I was like, yeah. Sorry, Garrett. I know he's your boy. <laughs> Moving on to me for number 10 is a story that is found in the, it was released in 2006, released in the Legends of the Dark Knight. Haas probably knows now where I'm going with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Legends of the Dark Knight title, issues number 207 through 211, called Batman Darker Than Death. Uh, it's a story that nobody ever talks about. It's a very underrated story. It is written by Bruce Jones and Ariel Olivetti. I've never Ooh, yes. seen their stuff outside of this. It was the book that this, with uh, Morrison's first issue on the Batman run, were what I got at the same time and got me back into reading comics. And it's a kidnap mystery, a mm-hmm. kidnapping mystery that is beautifully illustrated in like a painting style. Um, it's five chapters. It's on DC Universe Infinite. Very Alex Rossi. Yeah, if you've never read it, it's a it's a small scale Batman murder mystery, kidnapping mystery story that I highly highly recommend. And I love that I love that story. And I'm glad that it's on DC Universe because it's never been collected in a trade or anything. And so I've got the issues. Um, but I highly recommend track it down on DC Universe. That that story was one of the first stories that when I started getting back into comics and when I had kind of had money to spend, I was one of the first ones I pulled off the shelf because, you know, 207, the first issue of, uh, of that storyline, Bruce Wayne's just looking at like the severed finger in a box. Yes. You know, yeah, and it's, yeah. and you're like, and then it's got that shadow of Batman. Cause it's kind of got him in a spotlight and you're like, sold like women like yeah like what is this what is what is b-dubs doing like whose finger finger is that exactly so like and then you get into it and like i really started getting to oliveri after this like he did a superman and batman versus predator and alien like obviously it's not as good as this but it's just his artwork is just incredible so like he's like one of those guys you just start to follow that's an amazing space ghost miniseries too really okay Mm-hmm. and it's, it's just cool. it's so cool there's this one picture where like batman's like just breaking down the store and he's got like the fist on it and he just looks so stoic in that painting format and you're just like this is like some of the most beautiful artwork I've yeah. ever seen. The, you know? the the covers are freaking awesome too because there's one where he's like coming out of water and he's just like Rawr! people love yeah. the affleck bat suit uh check out that cover i think it might even be two o issue 208 of him in that. And it's just like, man, this, this had to serve as some kind of inspiration. It's awesome. But anyways, I digress. Moving uh, right issue, along. It's issue 210. 210. That a boy. That's why you're here, Pete. Correct me on all my errors. 
Uh, we're moving along to number nines in which Mr. Haas has already admitted that his is Batman three jokers. Correct. Um, so let's go to the next, the next boy. Let's go to the, the Midwest, um, Minnesota. What you got for your number nine? So number nine is, is one that, um, you know, when I was a kid, because I just mentioned Superman, uh, the death of Superman was really a storyline that got me into buying comic books every single week. And Batman's in that, but that's barely, you know, he's it in works. It worked. They got you. Yeah. They got me in. Right. And <clears throat> on the heels of the death of Superman, I started seeing ads in uh, some of those issues leading up to 75 about this Batman event that was going on. And there was going to be a big Batman story happening. And I was like, mm. Oh my gosh, how lucky of a little boy am I? I'm just reading this like super cool Superman. I was a huge Superman and Batman fan. Right. I'm but a real I wasn't, boy. Well, just a little guy, but I wasn't buying comics yet. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can go get this thing because this is going to be another big story. I didn't know they did stuff like this in comic books. All you know, like I just thought like timing was so amazing that I could be into comic books now and I'm going to get to go from the Superman thing to this Batman thing. And of course, I'm talking about Batman Nightfall, just like a huge event. And it, it drew me in those Jim Kelly covers. I was like, Jim, Jim Kelly, everybody's favorite. Sorry. <laughs> Kelly yeah. Jones. Kelly Jones. Sorry. Oh my gosh. Was that a Rick Shue moment? Quarterback of the Bills? Uh, that was a total <laughs> yeah. Rick Shue moment. Yeah. Like, yeah. Holy shit. Was Harry he really Jones. in his, in his off time? He was yeah. drawing covers? He's amazing. Holy in that, you wouldn't know <laughs> When this. he wasn't losing Super Bowls, he was drawing Batman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, That's I amazing. Got, I got too much football on the brain, guys. You know That's that. That's great. The, the quarterbacks love big giant bat ears but of those course. like you know uh those covers were just so amazing and mm-hmm. reading the storyline um i wasn't familiar with uh bane before so that was like what is yeah. this this is this is somebody i've never heard of this new villain but all the other villains are there and i had never seen a batman push to his breaking point before even before the back snaps right but like hasn't slept in weeks and I've never, I'd never seen a Batman with a five o'clock shadow before then, which I feel like now you only draw Batman with stubble. Mm-hmm. It was just so new and different to me at the time. And um, you know, the way they used to, you know, early nineties DC, they would track different character um, issues in the long series in, in Superman. It was like a triangle and each issue would be one or two. So even though it would flip through different titles, um, you would know where you are in the story. Mm-hmm. So like following them, like, okay, Batman, Detective Comics, and what's this, Shadow of the Bat? And it introduced me to all the different titles that were running at the time. It was such a major event, and obviously it's still one of the things that has remained in Batman continuity to this day. I didn't love where it went. You know, I wasn't an Asriel Batman fan. Like when that happened, I was like, you see a little upset Garrett Grev up in Northern Ryan Minnesota. is about to kick your ass. I know, I know, but it was, <laughs> it was not my thing. But the storyline of, you know, Batman against all his villains that I knew, plus ones that I didn't in a major event as I was really becoming a comic reader, like that sticks with me forever. So that's number nine. Dude, I got the volume one of that when I was probably like seven years old for Christmas. And the covers, those covers terrified the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. And then that ended with Bruce being on the on the ground, back broken, Bane walking out, and I didn't know I didn't know what <laughs> happened. Yeah, the, the end. And then it, I I didn't I didn't know what happened until like five years later. It, that, that sucked. It was terrifying for me. And like, yeah, I agree. I didn't like where where it went. I love Volume One, and I read the shit out of Volume One. Um, but the rest is kind of like eh. But I'm gonna oh, be reading. Man, that, 
it's like the clone saga of batman i love it like you know like it, it's kind of like that if if you've read the spider-man clone saga like it gets really messy yeah. at certain points but like nightfall's the, amazing yes, i remember that's the superman is yes yeah, the long 90s drawn out thing yeah yeah but uh like man nightfall for me like i remember seeing like those teases of azrael and batman like swinging across you, you know what i'm talking about and then you get to the one of like nightwing and there's robin and like I, I was so little i didn't really know who nightwing was at the time so i'm like who's this like robin guy with this gold thing and like you know like with this blue suit and like i was so captivated because like you know like hoss i love i love me some boy wonder so just that 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 was just uh i i, I do have a soft spot for for nightfall but to be honest it's not on my list. Yeah. Same here. <laughs> it's, it's great, and I respect it, and I love, I love it. Part of the reasons why I love Rises so much is because I love Bane and breaking a Batman's back and yep, all that stuff. But uh, you know. I, I respect what it did for Batman's yeah. history, and I do love that first volume. But um, when I reread it, I get a little, I soften up a little bit on it when i the every few years i reread it and i soften so up 90s. a little bit on it so alfred um, in, in nightfall correct that's also a part of yes. Rise that came out of the storyline so yes. there's a lot of so everybody that ever Rise. says like alfred would never do that i'm like well yeah. you've well, not read yeah, comic books have I, yeah i guess you're you've not never reader. read comics okay uh well done mr grev i'll go next with my number nine and it's um it's odd to say this but it is batman issues 455 through 457 now, I'll explain why I have to say it that way. Because the cover of 455, it looks like it's a bride, but like looking almost like a skeleton. Oh, yes. That cover? Yeah, yeah um, I It's know. my, now my I know. boy, Norm Brayfogle, uh, mm-hmm. written by Alan Grant. And it's called Identity Crisis Part 1. 456 is Identity Crisis Part 2. The reason they did that is because they didn't want to reveal who the villain was until the very end of that issue of 456. And then 457 is where they changed it to um, Master of Fear. And that is the iconic cover where he's got uh, Scarecrow has Batman hanging upside down, spiders all over him, and Robin is coming in in silhouette with the the window open. It is one of the most amazing covers I think I've ever seen. Uh, the story itself is awesome because it is somewhat of a mystery building up to what's going on here of people who are just kind of like for no reason whatsoever are totally just like lashing out, murdering people and shit like that. And it's like, what, what's going on here? And Vicky Vale's on the case. Tim Drake Robin is trying to follow the rules of that Batman set of like, nope, I'm not going to suit up. I haven't suited up. Um, I need to be here in the cave. We get the, we finally get the development of he is Robin. He becomes like Robin. At the, that's the payoff of this story. Mm-hmm. And then Scarecrow, it's just his, his toxin that he's sending out to people is making everybody lose any kind of fear of doing anything at all. So it's almost like it's the, the opposite effect of what he's usually doing. And so I think that's pretty interesting. There's just a lot going on in these three stories. And it's from the amazing team of Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. And that's just, it was amongst one of the first stories my first batch of comics I ever received as a kid and I read the hell out of it. And I've, I've always loved that one and it takes place at Christmas. Ooh. Nice. That concept kind of get reused a little, reused a little bit in the animated series. There's a whole, the new Batman adventures. There's a episode, a scarecrow episode where some similar things happen where people are, have no fear, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I feel like maybe that has a, a little bit of inspiration there. That is and and Tim Drake Robbins in it too. And Tim Drake Robbins right. had to like, you know, because Batman gets affected by the by the by the fear yeah. gas, and he has to like trap him and 
it's pretty great. I think my favorite cover out of that 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 uh that three issues is four fifty six. I love it. Just Drake oh, that one's up. great. Drake looking at the uh, the Todd suit and just seeing mm-hmm. the shadows mm-hmm. of the two Robins above him and and it, and even on top of that is a bigger Batman shadow. So that, that's a that's a great deep cut, Ryan. I, I appreciate you pulling that one out there because that's a that's one I think that everyone should read. It's definitely fun. It's it's a it's a good Batman story. That is Ray Fogel um, and Grant. That that duo is yeah. among the best of Batman stories. Period. Well, it's it was such time. a great period in, in Batman comics, and you know, mm-hmm. in that time period, the amount of you know, it's probably reflects a bit of our ages too, but the amount of what have kind yeah. of become um, known as to be iconic Batman comic book covers come from that era too. Like it is, yeah, those are some heavy hitters, you know, it's beautiful stuff mm-hmm. that they get going that, on. That three, those three issues have pretty much like, you know, the first one sticks out for Ryan because of the go- the crazy skeleton lady. And then like I mentioned the second one and then he talked about the third one, like, it goes to you like you're right like those covers are all iconic in their own way yeah that whole little era there with the brave fuggle covers is so cemented in my brain i mentioned this on a, a previous batman book club show i believe but batman 460 with catwoman on it is the first comic book i ever got as a kid um, that explains your holly berry catwoman fashion there you go there you go that doesn't explain that. So. no it, oh. <laughs> <laughs> i thought we figured it out but, uh, i thought we cracked that code you're gonna need a therapist to figure that one out buddy yeah i don't know <laughs> uh lovely all right moving along peter what's your number nine uh number nine is uh the companion to number 10 it's the killing joke um, my, my eight, nine, 10 kind of go hand in hand okay uh i i, I really love the killing joke you know um just everything that, that Moore and Boland did was just fascinating. Uh, just the whole, just the Joker with, uh, with Barbara Gordon and like, what did he do? What didn't he do? Like, not only did he shoot her, but he did even go farther over the line. Um, just the tormenting of Jim Gordon. It to the point where like Batman cracks a joke at the end. Like it's such a fascinating tale and really just paints the Joker as a horrible, horrible individual. Yeah. You know, sometimes if, uh, you know, like, Ryan's, Ryan Haas is talking about this multiple times. Like at one point, they tried to make the Joker almost an anti-hero, give him a nose, his own book. Yeah. And Danny O'Neill says it himself, like those books are horrible. It's not the character, but <laughs> I had to write it that way. But then Moore just took it to the next level. I was like, no, this, I'm going to write this story about the Joker just being a complete and utterly horrible human being. And I think that's who the character is. I don't think it's a character. While we do love the villain, I don't think it's a character to be liked. You know, yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that was explored in the, in the movie Joker. So, yeah, it's not on it my stood the it's test not on, of time for me. It's not on my top ten list, but it's you know it's in my honorable mentions for sure. Um, it feels like you know I'm not trying to be hot takey with that at all because I feel like that's a that's Same a headline. Yeah, it's a, that's a headline somebody could throw out. It's a tweet that somebody could go fishing with. Um, but I, <laughs> what I do really appreciate about it is it does you know Peter to your point kind of mark this continued evolution of the character in getting it getting the joker to his you know nastiest most uncontrolled most contemptible self you know in the way that the reintroduction of the joker and in uh, joker's five-way revenge sort of took him out of this jokester prankster trick puller role into a serious villain this was mm-hmm. that next sort of evolution in my mind when i think back about yeah. the joker to like uh, the sadistic killer um, that is, you know, willing to go to unspeakable ends to cause torment if the moment feels like that's what he wants to do in it, you know? So yeah. absolutely yeah, legendary for sure. There's, there's no, 
you know, there's no debating that whatsoever. And not just the story, but like Boland's art, just Batman yeah. walking through Arkham Asylum, you know, the, the face of the, uh, the amusement park owner after he dies, like all that stuff, like it, it, the, the little troll thing, whoever Joker's henchman, <laughs> those things there they are it's it can get pretty eerie pretty fast in that story that it was no holds barred and i i applaud them for it like you know and we mentioned dark knight returns on our honorable mentions but like that story paved the way for something like this just going to that next level pushing the medium as far as you can and uh, that's what i appreciate a lot about that book and actually on the schedule right now um the killing joke is going to be discussed soon with mr vera and somebody we all know justin kowalski Oh, so we're gonna break that down. So, um, good, good call, Peter. Uh, and that rounds out our number nines. Uh, Mr. Garrett, why don't you kick us off with the eights? Crazy eights. Let's do this. Number eight for me, um, is a uh, a book that I will appreciate forever because as much as I love Dick Grayson, uh, this storyline introduced my favorite Robin of all time, and that is Mr. Tim Drake. And number eight for me is a lonely place of dying. Ooh. You just made up to Hoss for your Azrael comments. I, I guess so. <laughs> he, knew, he knew it was coming. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, I, well, that's, I knew I could afford the Azrael comments because I was going to go here. Um, this was actually one of the very first trade paperbacks that I ever purchased. Mm. Um, it was not even in the, like a trade paperback format that we think of today. I bought it um, not the same day within, within the same week or two as the death of Superman trade and it was at a uh, a bookstore that also had you know used books secondhand books and this one was in there um all all folded up and bent in just regular kind of newsprint and thin uh comic book cover i've got one of those and i've got i, I purchased a second one in nicer quality since then but i i loved what it did because i was getting old enough you know i think it, i want to say i was maybe gosh, 11 at the time um, that, I, that I bought it and read it for the first time. And um, I was old enough to, to start seeing the seams in what I thought of the um, Robin and Batman relationship and how that made sense. Because I had a younger brother at that time that was like, you know, probably seven and thinking about the seven-year-old fighting crime with someone closer to my dad's age. Like I was just at the point where it started seeming a bit odd. And this was a book that when I read it and when I've reread it throughout the years really goes to the point of if you have a character with a mission like Batman's mission born out of the trauma that Bruce Wayne suffered, why, and I've got another book that I think speaks to this higher up on my list, why is a Robin character necessary? And mm-hmm. Tim's, Tim Drake's whole reason for wanting to find out what's up with Robin and then assume the mantle of Robin is because he realized Batman was on a dangerous path forward and he needed something to tether him to the goodness in, in his mission, as opposed to losing himself in the, you know, violent, never ending war of his mission. And um, man, I just love that so much. I love that approach to the character. Um, I loved having, um, you know, Tim introduced because I did not, and I have not liked Jason Todd as Robin, no matter how important it's become to nobody Batman. does. And so you just didn't like no, it. A lot of people do. They love and, Red Hood, Jason Todd. I don't know if they love Jason Todd Robin. Well, you know, uh, with, with, with Tim Drake, you know, it was, it was this and one of the other comic book series that I, that I bought regularly um, or that my parents bought for me was uh, Robin three, the mini series. And I was just like, man, I love this Tim Drake dude so much. You know, <laughs> yeah. 
it's just like, and I have to this, to this day is my favorite Robin. So for that reason, and for what it said about Batman, this is my, uh, my number eight. Yeah. It's, it's an honorable a, mention for me. I, I adore the book and I, I received it for my seventh birthday because, and I remember that because written on the inside of that trade from my uncle is Ryan happy seventh birthday. Right. So uh, it was one that I still have. That's um, I've, I've read that one a ton. I've always, I've always loved that story. Didn't make it for my top 10, but doesn't mean that I don't, don't love it. Yeah. It's not, it's not in my top 10 either, but I mean, that's surprising be. actually. I mean, it it came to mind, but I put other stuff in there. I mean, so it, like tomorrow it could be there. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. But just it's it's um it all it's teeters on the edge of the whole like um it's important, but it's not as evergreen. Uh, right along there with like um a death in the family, it's like man, that's a that's a heavy story, but it's also like uh, does it exactly hold up? I, and I think Lonely Place of Dying holds up a lot better uh than than a death of the family but but yeah just as as what it does it introduces tim drake the best robin and it just the like garrett said what it does at a base level of basically giving robin a mission statement and this is what robin is and why robin matters and to batman uh and to batman's legacy is, is really to me can't be understated and it's it's a super super essential batman story yeah, I agree with you guys. I just, it's, you guys have said it uh, already, but just why does Batman need a Robin? I mean, Tim says it perfectly, you know, it, throughout the story, and it proves that why Robin is a necessity. And it's it's a Twitter debate where people claim that Robin isn't needed. You know, you don't need to make a definitive Batman movie without Robin, where I argue it, you, you know, you can't have one. It's impossible. Robin's such a part of that character. Robin keeps Batman from going, you know, deep and dark and miserable. And, uh, you know, just speaking to the creative team involved, I mean, Wolfman, Perez, and Aparo, I mean, those are three legends that you get on one book. And, you know, that is that in itself is enough of a reason to pick up the trades or if you if your comic book shop has the issues, go pick them up in the price book section. It's 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 definitely something that is required reading. And, uh, you know, it's just it's beautiful all around. Yep. Bravo. Moving on to me. Number eight. And this might be my last like weird choice. Uh, deep, deep, yeah. It's a a story called Deja Vu, written and illustrated by Darwin Cook. Uh, it hmm. first appeared in the DC Solo miniseries, issue number five. Um, it's thirteen pages. Oh, I know what this is. Yeah, it's it really was. Good. It was more people, and I was introduced to it um, through Batman Ego the hardcover release that's where most people will find it and probably have come across it and maybe now they're having an aha moment it's basically it's says at the beginning of based on the detective comics 439 story uh night of the stalker okay but basically it's a batman witnesses a double murder leaving a child parentless and he he's on the run he chase he chases down the the killers the group uh, he doesn't say a word in the entire 13 pages, but it is so Batman. It is Sounds so like Tom King. It's so beautifully <laughs> illustrated. Is, is there a, by a nursery Cook. rhyme or a Christmas song? No nursery rhyme. No, I mean, it's got the Darwin Cook look to it. That's awesome. Ooh, the yeah. whole like the panic from victims because they're scared of Batman and such and all of it's great. It has like one of my favorite panels ever 
which is it beautifully colored of Batman's on a tree because they're the criminals are looking for him. I, I just I love the story. And it's such a quick read, but it, it hits to me. It's my favorite thing that Darwin Cook ever did with Batman was this little story that he didn't um, he never even said a word. And I just love the coloring of that of that image of Batman in the trees yeah. as uh, the villains are spooked by him. So that's my number eight deja vu. That's a good, that's a deep cut. I appreciate that. That gives me something to look forward to and check on DC out. universe, the solo series. It is. I was um, just going to say I, I, the Darwin cook issue. And then there's a Tim sale issue, um, which I think in the Tim sale issue is a highly regarded Batman Catwoman story. Oh, um, that's also, yeah. Worth tracking those down. There's they're short stories uh, worth, worth reading them. Um, yeah, track it down. lucky like me, you got the hardcover at Ollie's for like ten bucks. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I wish I, like, there are no Ollie's in Jersey. I don't know where these Ollie's are, they're, and I'm very jealous. They're not in Minnesota, man. Either you guys and Rob Myers are picking up like you know gold standard books yeah. for like four bucks. I'm like thirty five dollar books for. Does this six place bucks know what they're stuff? doing? No, they don't. God um, bless them. I love it. God bless them. So that's an. That's a nice plug for Ollie. Yeah, like, oh, Go there. You will not be bucks, disappointed. No one will buy them except the nerds. <laughs> Go uh, Peter, what do you got for your number eight, my friend? Uh, number eight is uh, it's a story that I actually didn't think I would like, and that's why it's in my top ten. It is it's under the hood. Um, I'm really surprised that's in my top ten because I for everyone knows that I think the resurrection of Jason Todd is one of the biggest mistakes <laughs> in <laughs> Batman publication history. But this story is so absolutely brilliant and it's written so well that I can't help but love it. And uh, mm-hmm. I love the the movie that came out, the animated film as well. So just a really great piece, uh, just you know, uh, with Jason Todd coming back and how it explores loss within the DC universe of Superman and the green arrow. And it really digs deep within that, those elements. And I just, it, I, I, I'm very surprised like how much I love the story because of the, what the story is, but it's like I said, it's just so utterly brilliant that it has to be on my list. Uh, good call. Uh, I really like the book. I think Jason Todd serves, serves a better purpose dead uh, uh, yeah, than I alive. But I still like the story. And then, yeah, it's awesome that Judd Winnick got to write the animated adaptation, which I think ended up becoming it was even better than the book was. I feel um, like I, I, because I, I get why, but I miss those beats of like Batman talking to Green Arrow and Superman. I feel yeah, like that's, I what, get that. That, that's what makes the, the book better than the movie in my eyes. Okay. And does Mac beat. Like he, his artwork is just brilliant. Like I love and Matt that. Matt Wagner covers were also yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, again, yeah. like always, always. These when we talk about these stories, you're you'll find like a common element. Like they're it's written by written and drawn by like Hall of Famers of the genre. Yeah, you know, these aren't these aren't slouches. These guys big quality names. And that's <laughs> that speaks to why we love them so much. Good call. All right, well done, Peter. Uh, Mr. Haas, what do you got for number eight? What's your crazy eight to wrap it up? Oh, well, my number crazy eight is also, well, yeah, I guess it would make be no surprise if you knew me, but no, my number eight is um, uh, a, a Batman, a big Batman story that we're covering right now on Everyone Loves the Drake, and that would be Batman Legacy. Legacy. You know, it's, uh, it's one of the most direct follow-ups to Batman Nightfall, but what it does is it, it, um, it's like the first giant big crossover uh, that took place around to, uh, Detective Comics number 700 and reintroduced 
Rachel Gould to the Bat Universe after being kind of absent for and Talia for so many years. And it was also the first major or the first, well, yeah, yeah, the first major reappearance of, of Bane since Nightfall. So you get like a Batman Bane rematch. You have all the major Bat family working together, Batman and Tim Drake Robin and Nightwing, Oracle's in it, Huntress is in it, and they all have to work together to and do all this globe-trotting stuff to stop Rachel Gould, Talia, and Bane. Uh, and it's it's just fantastic. And it and it goes across, you know, all the bat titles of the time. It was told over like a one or two month span or something. It goes, you know, from Batman, Detective, Catwoman, Robin, you know, Shadow and it goes Shadow of the Bat too. Yeah. So um so it's just a really cool, like fast paced um story. And of course it takes its cues from, you know, the seventies racial gold type stories where that Den- Denny O'Neill originally wrote. And of course he was the editor on these books at the time. So it has that same kind of feel that same kind of like, um, uh, globe trotting, like James Bond 007 ish, yeah. 007 ish. Yeah. Batman adventure. And it's a, uh, yeah, you get some shirtless Batman, you get some, oh, uh, you get Nightwing versus Rachel Gould. You get, you know, you get all kinds of cool action moments and character moments in this Is this thing. ponytail Nightwing? Oh, it's Ponytail Nightwing all the way. Just flowing. Just and, flowing. Um, yeah, yeah, there's some amazing panels uh, of that. There's callbacks to other books, you know, of course, Nightfall, but there's some fun references back to, like, the original uh, Robin miniseries, Robin 1, I guess you would call it now in retrospect. You know, Garrett was talking about Robin 3, but, uh, but yeah, so Batman Legacy. And it, you know, personally, like, it was one of the first trade paperbacks I got as a kid at some random Easter. I got, like, the original Legacy trade paperback and it's just like this black thing that says batman legacy and red lettering with like the racial ghoul logo on it mm-hmm. and stuff and it wasn't the full story i mean it was the essential part of the story but then uh, in the past couple of years dc has released two volumes that like give you the entire full story that if you want the, all the context kind of like nightfall where they've released all these giant omnibuses with all the books in it so it's just a really fun well-made story and of course most it's mostly written by you know chuck dixon and you have your girl artwork and that's just like quintessentially great batman storytellers of the time so can't really go wrong with batman legacy well done uh we just recently a few uh episodes ago talked batman contagion which leads right into mm-hmm. batman legacy so mm-hmm. i've only read it once but i i dug it so now because i just got contagions fresh in my memory i'm i'm ready to revisit so um, very cool. I'm going to dip in and kick us off for number seven. Cool, cool, great. Seven. <laughs> Much like how Three Jokers was to you, Peter Vera, uh, Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight was to me. Okay. Uh, hit the ground running. Um, I loved, loved, loved that first issue mm-hmm. uh, as soon as it was released. I was fortunate enough, I got to re- even read it a little earlier um, for Batman on Film because I got to review it. And yeah, I loved every single issue that followed. Um, yeah, prior to prior to White Knight, I don't know a Batman story since I since I'd been reading monthly uh, that got me first issue, and then I adored every single issue that followed uh, for the entire the entire way. Um, so yeah, Sean Murphy's Batman White Knight is my number seven. No, that's great. I remember when that came out, man, and like nostalgia just hit hard. Seeing mm-hmm. it on first Batmobile, just all, all those cool little knocks. Jack the Jack Napier, you know, that name resonating 
with all us uh, 30 year old bat fans just it was great and uh you know even things like i think the tumblr made an appearance so like you could just see the influence on what murphy was going for and it it, it felt it almost felt like one of your boys writing a batman book right Dude, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. It felt like some guy that you, you know, were on a podcast with or would talk about at the local shop or, you know, interact with on Twitter, got a chance. And DC said, come and write a Batman book for (laughs) us and pull, you know, just base it out of everything you love. And he's like, oh boy, well, here it comes. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite part about it. You know, it's, I don't always love all the different sort of alternate takes on Batman, but this was just so steeped in all the stuff that Mm. I love as a Batman fan that I'm like, Oh yeah, I'll go along for this ride. Do whatever you want. You know, it's coming, it's coming from this place that's so recognizable to me that even if what the story was doing with the character was different, I'm like, no, 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 I get it. The DNA is all there. It came from his heart. You know, like he, he, it's, it's a Batman story for written by a, you know, a Batman fan. And that's, that's what you like. And I don't really dig the whole Batman and chaps thing, but like, I, I can let that slide. I, you know, I have my, my gripes about it and how some things look, but it's interesting. Um, I, I really like, I remember when that first came out, like again, Lauer, just instant classic, really just, it, it's definitely within like the top 20 for me. Oh, show. Uh, Pete, why don't you keep going with this uh, lucky number uh, seven? Number seven for me is a bit of a combo. I combine these two stories go hand in hand. It's over no. the long run. no. Yeah, no, no. The don't, steal my, don't steal my pick. <laughs> I don't know. It's Bruce Wayne murderer and fugitive. Um, oh, you didn't steal it. But those okay, are great. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, I, I love, I love oh, the wow, storyline. What it was, it, I feel like it did something that was, you know, Bruce Wayne being framed, Bruce Wayne going mm-hmm. to prison, Bruce mm-hmm. Wayne in jail, trying to figure out his own, like, you know, it, it's such an interesting thing. And it introduced one of my favorite characters of all time in Sasha Bordeaux. Like Bruce oh, Wayne, she, you've talked about her before. It's I love amazing. her so much. Like the fact that Bruce Wayne faking to the world, I need a bodyguard. And then she, it takes her how long to figure out Bruce Wayne is Batman. Cause oh she's like, gosh. every time I go to protect this guy, he's gone. You know, <laughs> in retrospect, yeah. it's kind of like the, the Tom Cruise mission impossible. Yeah. Lens of, of like Batman. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Those it's, are really good stories. Story. Yeah. You know, and how, you know how like sometimes like the bat family's like what do we do? How do we do this? And like Bruce has got to break out of prison himself to solve this this caper and it, it's I think it's 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 one of those Ryan is it mid to early 2000s? Yeah, it's yeah. It's it's after Hush and all that. Yeah. But. I mean just it's a great just run of stories and it's a long lengthy title and Yeah. I, mean, I, I remember that you, you trade you can't go wrong. Yeah, I remember, yeah, it's like Murder and Fugitive. I remember at the time it felt, I wasn't really reading it at the time because it was pretty sprawling and it felt like it lasted forever and all the books were interconnected. You had to buy all the books to read it. it but, but later on, I did just get, I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down and read all that and stuff. And so I got all the trades and read it through Collected. And man, it is just so much, it, it's so intriguing and fun and well done. Greg Rucka did a fantastic job. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I mean, it's like vintage Rucka. And then watch it's Scott McDaniel a lot on the art too, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. just yeah. really good, really, really, really good stuff. Yeah. So I, I mean, I highly recommend it. And like <laughs> Sasha Bordeaux and Harold right are like two of my favorite obscure oh. Batman characters of all time. <laughs> like I'm dying for these two guys, these two people to enter in the, in the film universe somehow, some way. I'd love it, but uh, yeah, no. Uh, Bruce Wayne Murder Murder and Fugitive. Like you gotta read it. Really. You'll you'll love it. I haven't read it for a long time, but you uh I've been looking for new trades to put on the bat shelf. You may have just inspired me, Peter. There it is. 
you're not making sales. Out. See the Batman book club. It is just like Print commission. Money. You get Printing some commission money. in here. <laughs> I'm dying to find out what Hoss thought I was stealing. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Haas. Why don't you uh, cap us off on the sevens here? Well, when when Peter said that he has like a like a yin yang two story kind of thing, like I was like, oh, you're gonna steal my thing because they're you know whatever. So like what I what I jumped to is the the Batman Dark Moon Rising duology. <gasps> so uh, oh, you're counting them as one. Both of them as one. Yes, because they both okay. have the the Dark Moon Rising title above them so that's true they're both amazing and that was an easy way to squeeze in more than one story <laughs> in one entry so yeah i mean these are uh these are stories written by um and and illustrated by matt wagner which we've already Beautiful mentioned work. on this show you know yeah. doing covers but but he like wrote and illustrated these and so uh under this dark moon rising banner you have two series you have mm -hmm. batman and the mad monk and batman and the monster men i think monster men came out first i think yes. so too um yeah so basically what they are is they they are retellings remasters if you mm -hmm. will of of some of the original batman stories and kind of before the era where Batman had these consistent like villains like Joker yeah. and Riddler, he was more of a kind of like a horror based character where they would pit him up against more like universal horror movie type of characters mm -hmm. and stuff, because those are, those were superheroes were just emerging at the time and they were, and they were drawing more inspirations from, you know, pulp magazines and spooky and cult and leaders. Spooky a lot cult of things. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so the mad monk and the monster men are kind of, shove through this more modern lens but matt, matt matt wagner kind of like expands the story as he, he um he remains true to them but he also and he and he enhances the artwork to kind of like match them up together and stuff i mean it's just fantastic stuff and it really like hits on a era of batman at, at his inception but also is able to kind of modernize it a little bit and make it still just kind of like a really nice like one two punch of uh, uh you know it's got the full it's one of those full package things where it's like the art and the story yeah. and everything oh, is great and it honors story. and it honors batman's legacy too and so it's hard to it's hard to pass up a story yeah. that can do all those things at once and it made my honorable mentions so you're, you're not far off i love that monster man made my honorable mentions <laughs> what? Yeah. no it's great stuff Mad Mad how he, number one that's a great cover i love how he yeah, exactly the covers i love how he mixed up he did the matt wagner covers which are uh also like a distant cousin of alex ross but then his interior art is different from the covers too yeah. um so well done yeah those are those are great stories excellent uh and the next would be mr garrett grev but he already told us his number seven it was three jokers i sure did there it well is. done <laughs> so we're gonna go on to uh still there no it hasn't moved uh, we'll we'll scoot along to the the sixes now. Um, we're getting close to the halfway mark. Peter Vera, what do you got for number six? Uh, so number six is similar to number seven. It's kind of like one long story split into two parts, but it's it's Batman War Drums and War Games. Ooh, um, just a really fantastic story uh, that uh, really just uh, it highlights Batman kind of in the public eye and really puts a, a spotlight on Stephanie Brown and just you know just Stephanie tries to like continually prove herself to Batman and, and she tries to like pull off this kind of like, uh, I, I could do I, Batman. Like I'll, I'll prove myself to you. And she sets up like this meeting of the minds of the, of Gotham city's underbelly. And uh, 
what Stephanie doesn't know is that the man who orchestrated this meeting, Matches Malone, is Batman himself. So when, when, the, Gotham yeah. Underground, yeah. when the Gotham Underground meets, they're like, well, where's Matches? And Stephanie's like, where the hell is this guy? And she, you know, it's just, it's great. And it, it does lead to Stephanie's death and what was eventually retconned, but just a really interesting story. And it just, it, it, like I said, just everything involving just Batman and Stephanie was, it was a fascinating take. And even just like, there was one, one page, I think it might've been in, in war games or, there's this like hostage situation in a school and Batman and Nightwing take care of it. And then Batman mm. walks out of the school in broad daylight, which is unseen at the time. Like we never saw this really holding the, the dead daughter of like a, a mafia crime boss, which just sets everything off in motion to begin with. And just like who was at one point, she was kind of dating Tim Drake. So it's, it was like the dominoes have fallen and you're like, Oh man, what is going on? And it's like the first official confirmed picture of the Batman. And he was walking out of this high school and, just a fascinating fascinating story it was long it was great but like if you can pick up i'm looking at it right now there's three volumes war, war drums war games and yeah, war crimes so, yeah I, yeah it's just it's fantastic so i i, I highly recommend it and i love it p right. p what would it what, do i get more street cred if i tell you that this was my number three? Ooh. What nice. Means, why do you need more street cred? You already got. Haas, <laughs> you got all the street cred. Yeah, I was like, "What do you mean you need more street cred?" Come on, yeah. <laughs> I'm playing the greatest hits of Batman that you'd buy off the shelf at Target, and you guys are going deep cuts left and right on me. Come on, it's it's cool when you when you have the same deep cuts. Yeah. Questions. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, when somebody else goes deep with you, it's like, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not alone. Um delightful uh Haas, what do you got for six for number six i mean i kind of been jumping off off of all this like we keep talking about these long runs but um i'm just gonna bury the lead or not bury the lead here but number six for me is is uh, is no man's land and that's Ooh. yet another just giant sprawling like, 467 have, yeah, issues of comic if you books. like Huge. if you're gonna just binge read something batman and really want to dive in and soak in some comic book stuff do that because it's got so many volumes and especially with um with dc universe infinite now you can just kind of pop on the ipad and just let you know find yeah. that storyline tab and just go to town and let it be your thing for a while Ooh. because it's i mean it also has um a uh, a novelization by Greg Rucka, and that novelization itself also has a um, an audio book audio version, book. which is fantastic. But but yeah, it's just a big sprawling Batman story. But what but but what's cool is that it doesn't um, it doesn't it's not a event for event's sake. And it was the last major thing like event I believe that Dennis O'Neill was over as editor of all the Bat books. And it's of course the the big quintessential an earthquake hits gotham city storyline it's like what does batman do you know he's fought a plague he's fought all this stuff and then now there's an earthquake and what do you do and then it's one of those simple premise things but like when you when you do it it's kind of um you know it just sets the stage it changes that what it does is it changes the status quo of gotham city and they stick with it you know it's not just like a, oh this happened this week and now it's done it's like it changed a lot of the stuff and it's one of those things where you have to be on board for it but once you are you get really invested in the world and the characters and stuff so much so that like for something like nightfall you would have to get to the books they had like okay this is part one part two part three but what they did for no man's land is they 
for the most part, we're just like, nope, this is no man's land. And we're going to tell like three issue stories, but they're all set within the world of no man's land. I guess it's kind of like the current, like DC infinite frontier stuff. It's like, this is just kind of like the framework we have, mm-hmm. but this was this, the no man's land framework was what they had and it shared across all the stories. So they, they were trying to make it to where like, you don't have to buy everything, but this is the scenario that all the books are set in for like a year or two. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, so many cool things happened with that came out of that as um, he's got to see how Batman reacted to that. That's where we got, uh, you know, the Cassandra Kane, Cassandra Kane Batgirl out of that. Um, and so it just really, te- like Nightfall, it really tested a lot of the, the Bat family characters in a, in a ways that they didn't really, um, that they weren't really tested before and then you of course you saw the effects of that in other you know batman properties like dark knight rises and gotham and stuff like that but you know it's um definitely a a giant meaty worthwhile batman story to read because it doesn't just it's not just batman it's really like the the world of gotham city kind of gets explored in a way that doesn't really get looked at too much and man a lot of and there's so many emotional character driven gut punches just you know, you're talking earlier about um, about the Joker and how you know every every certain every every so often, like uh, once or twice a generation or every ten years or something, like somebody will do something with the Joker that was like, "Yep, he is a awful he's the character. worst," <laughs> and 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 that certainly happens in in at the end of No Man's Land. So it, it kind of hits yep. hits on a lot. So so that's one spoiler. I will leave leave alone just in case somebody hasn't because no man's land is definitely intimidating when you look at how how if you want to read no man's land how much is included there but yeah that what the joker does in it is uh is quite a gut punch so um good choice good call uh we'll move along to garrett Mm, this is uh i knew i was going to talk about this one okay tonight i didn't know when i was writing on my list where it would be off the top of my head, I would have thought it actually would have ended up higher and beyond like the top half, you know, one through five, because it's the, this is the second time that I got pulled back into buying monthly comic books. And it happened uh, after I was a grown man, a married man and a father for the first time. Ooh, I um, guess it's not what you're going to think, but well, maybe time frame wise will line up. Um, I had had not bought month to month issues and been focusing on back issues for quite some time. And just like, if I'm going to buy a comic book, it's going to be an older one, something I remember, whatever. Um, but I was a little bit intimidated by just how far behind I was. So when the new 52 was announced, <gasps> I saw it as my chance to like get back in and, you know, take the bait, right? Like swallow it on down, reel me up to the surface. I'm your fish, DC. And I make fun of the new 52. From so time poetic time. in your, dis- your buildup for this. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 uh, God darn it. If Scott Snyder's run on Batman wasn't everything that I ever could, I didn't even know that I wanted it and would have loved it so much as I did. Um, it was something that I would count down the days and weeks to the next issue. And I devour that issue and think how, how is it continuing to be this good? And I'd look at the art by Greg Capullo and I'd say, how is this the first time this man has drawn Batman uh, professionally? And each issue would build on itself and things that I normally would have been annoyed by, by like, 
you know, did you know Bruce had a, you know, uh, you know, contemporary, you know, pal that could be his brother, like something that would annoy me, didn't annoy me and introducing new villains and like, here's this hidden secret thing about Gotham that's been there all the time. Just, you know, you never saw it before. Like all those things could come off so gimmicky and, and kind of cheap and they came off, you know, rich and compelling and engrossing. And I could not believe how good this event was. Um, and that, and that was the court of owls. It's the thing that I look back to when people say like, yeah. wouldn't it be great if we had a live action court of owls or, you know, the, the newish 52 ish is like to call it the DCAU movies, you know, did some court of owls stuff in there. People say like, wouldn't you want like a direct adaptation? And this is one of those books where I'm like, no, I do not want that. I don't need that. I've got this thing and it's so great. If they do anything else with it, it might not be as great. Mm-hmm. So you hear the way I'm talking about it. I was surprised that it landed at six. It tells you how much I like one through five, uh, but number six, and it, it doesn't speak to me loving it less in any material way, but that's just kind of where the cookie crumbled. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, that story transcended Batman almost like it, it, it was it, national it media mention, right? It was that good. Yeah, People like articles were getting written by, mainstream publications, magazines, newspapers, websites about that book. And it was the one thing you need to think about it. Like what survived new 52, uh, not new, not new 52 Superman at all. Not really anything else, but essentially that period of Batman has been left unchanged. Even if the time frame had to get squished and squashed and yeah, out. I'd say the only things that survived new 52 were green lantern and Batman. Snyder's bad, right. not, not detective. New 52 yeah. detective is not held, well, uh, held to a high regard, but Batman no. is all time. Yeah. Uh, not a top 10, Ooh. but an honorable mention. Oh boy. I really like, uh, I really like Court of Owls and it yeah, plays really well. <laughs> it plays really well as a, uh, as a horror story for sure. And oh, it, it's oh, a yeah. tricky element of kind of trying to say, Oh, history's been here. This has been here all along and actually stick that landing. Um, yeah. And yeah, Snyder did it really, really well where you can believe of like, yeah, the, the lore um, of the Court of Owls on Gotham, it, it, it tracks. And also the novel that was written called Court of Owls played as a prequel slash sequel to Snyder's uh, Court of Owls run. And I highly recommend that you read that story. That's, that's a very awesome novelization. The of, creative uh, combo. The creative combo of those two dudes is so great because Snyder obviously has a history in the horror genre with American Vampire yep. and Capullo drew Spawn for years and years. And I didn't those, know that. Okay. Yeah. And those two dudes, he, I think he was the first one to draw it after McFarlane left the title. I, I don't know. Don't get me. Don't, if, if anybody's like a super big image. If he's wrong, make sure Twitter's to tweet at, at final, final E33. E33. <laughs> I, I think so. I'm fairly confident. Um, Cool. But, you know, those two dudes lining up together, you know, you get Batman, they get the character, they don't try to do something so, you know, demonstrably different and make it a horror comic, but all the elements are there and they weave them in so nicely and I love it. So, yeah, there it is. Bravo. Um, the cat to cap off our number six is I'm going to go back to the Legends of the Dark Knight title, issues number 11 through mm-hmm. 15 called Batman Prey. Uh, written by oh. Doug Mensch and uh, illustrated by Paul Gulacy or Gulacy, I apologize. Um, what a what a wonderful Batman story that that one is. In which also 
I think was rumored like, could this be the direction the the sequel to The Dark Knight goes of hunting Batman on the like trying to get Batman on the run? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a really good story. I really like the the art and the elements and the, the way that they brought in Hugo Strange here, as well as uh, Max Court, who is a a an officer with GCPD who ends up becoming kind of like his own one man vigilante and ends up trying to, like he goes crazy, goes after Batman. I just love Batman prey. What a great story. No, I agree. It's a great one. It's a classic. Um, that's our, that's the top half. So I think Dang. we kind of went deep cutish with a lot of our, 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 those they're not a top half. That's the front half. Or you want to say it. The front. I think we're going to get a lot of, we're on the front like, nine. We're at yeah, the turn. We're going to now, Golf. I think, come into some uh, some repeats, I think, when we, we're talking about our top five Fan faves. Yeah, okay. some fan faves. This is going to happen. I, I just I'm, got a feeling. Boys, I'm looking at my list. Even if you guys stay deep cut, we're going fan faves because my top <laughs> fives are like, you know, the Mr. Fan Mr. Predictable. But there's a reason that they're fan faves. And so I think... Pete kicked us off with the sixes, so Ryan Haas, let's go with our fives. What do you got? The five. So my number five is a story that is, I think you've covered, yes, you've covered this on the Batman Book Club before. <gasps> yes, which is great. And it's one of those stories where <laughs> if, if we, uh, uh, the past few picks have kind of been these long runs or long giant epics and stuff, but this is one that you can, pick up and read if you're new to comics or if you or if you don't want to invest a ton of time in diving into something and and if you have read a bunch of stuff it's it'd be kind of a nice break um uh or a nice like change of pace if you if you want to read something a little bit more emotional a little bit more heavy and character driven and that would be batman venom you know um so uh, i believe it was originally published in uh, legends of the dark knight that series keeps coming up here boy we sure does (laughs) need to need to really do like some omnivise uh, on that for that series but uh but yeah this is of course written by the great uh dennis o'neill and it it deals with what happens is basically the thing is like, what happens if Batman gets uh, addicted to drugs, you know, and, and there's a real, very realistic slant to the whole thing. And just to see Batman go through kind of a emotional set of circumstances that you normally don't see him in is really point and interesting. And uh, you know, Batman, he, he's somebody that's historically turns his pain into something, you know, that some would consider a positive and uh, to see him go through something like this is pretty soul crushing a lot of times because, especially because of the circumstances that lead him to, to taking venom. And of course, venom is, is what ends up being a, a you know, just the, a really big driver of things for, you know, other characters like Bane and Nightfall and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, so Batman venom, that's, that's definitely a, a really good little character exploration uh, for Batman that you should not ignore. It's thank so funny heavens for legends of the dark Knight that title and thank heavens for DC universe, because they've got the, mm. that first, like every issue of mm. the first installment of legends of the dark Knight available which so many stories like great stories have uh have come out of from that uh go ahead garrett i was just what you're gonna gonna say funny in my mind i think of venom so connected to nightfall it's not on my list and i didn't write it down as an honorable mention 
but I love it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's a, I mean, it's just a fantastic story. Um, and I think it's probably because in my mind, I always think of it as like the epilogue to Nightfall, you know, even down to like Batman is uh, without yeah. the juice that he's been on and he is, you know, he, he is fading fast in this war. It's not quite tied together as tightly as that. But in my mind, it, it is. It is. And um, it's just incredible. I think about it makes me think about Denny O'Neill and I think about Denny all the time because you think about like what somebody does in a career where you stay in one lane for so long, but consistently are able to top yourself and push forward and, um, you know, do different things within the same color palette in, in a storytelling way. It's, it's really incredible because this is, this is pretty groundbreaking. You know, do you point when, who thought we would get at that time, even looking back and realizing, you know, how interesting it was a, a Batman hooked on, on some smack, right? Like that's just crazy. Yeah. The pages of Batman going through withdrawal oh, and then yeah. having Alfred lock him up in the cave and then coming out with that beard. Yeah. I mean, like that is some really powerful stuff and that's something that could only be written by the great Denny O'Neill. You know, like, you want a dramatic Batman story. You go to, you go to Venom. If you like, if you don't want the usual, which of course I love Batman beating the shit out of criminals in his rogues gallery and stuff like that. But sometimes if I really want to sink my teeth into a dramatic story, like Venom is. It's just funny. Cause like right now it's the whole like Batman thing is like to be a better Batman. Right. So what yeah. did he do to be a better Batman? He took this drug that was going to keep him up. He wouldn't be tired. You know, like it would just push his body physically to the limit and it ended up kind of backfiring. Yeah. And he realized like, I can't do this. There are reasons why I have physical limits. So. Mm-hmm. Good. You know what? That one totally escaped me. Well done, Ryan Haas. No, it's yeah. It's a uh, good pick. It's beautiful. Uh, Garrett, how are you going to follow that up? Well, <clears throat> you know, here's the deal. <laughs> Digital <laughs> justice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to make you do an episode on that someday. <laughs> I said the last one was one that when I was, I knew I'd talk about it and I wasn't, I was surprised where it landed on my list. This is one that I was also very surprised where it landed on my list because I have a everlasting love for this story and this particular issue. And I've talked about it before. Um, Laura, I've talked about it on your show. Uh, the very first time I was on, I've talked about it on Batman on film. Um, and that is uh, Batman, the man who falls by Denny O'Neill. I old, good old Denny. I love it. I love it so much. Um, it means so much to me as a Batman fan. I can't tell you the first time I read it, but the first time I read it and I, I knew I was rereading it, but the first time I really like understood it and, um, you know, valued it for what it was, this sort of like shorthand to Batman without cutting any corners or leaving any, um, you know, potency out of it was when it was included in the Batman Begins collector's DVD and it was in like, is that the ash can size? Is that what that yeah. is referred to as? Um, and man, I read that thing and I was like, I remember the story. I don't remember it like. It's so it, hard to find. It's in the oh. Secret Origins uh, Brian Bolland cover yep. uh, trade paperback thing. Yeah. And it was like one of the only unique stories that was written for it. it so it's it a was, really kind of hard story to find. 
So it, they, yeah. they were all retellings of sort of origin type tales or early, you know, chunks of character histories. It was the only original story in that. It was published in 1989. It's been republished since. It's not widely available at all. And I've also shared the story. It's heartbreaking. I don't know if I have a copy of it in the house right now because when we upgraded, um, you know, years and years ago, from a Blu-ray or from a DVD player to a Blu-ray player, Blu-ray player to 4K. My wife's like, let's get rid of some of the clutter. If you have this on Blu-ray or 4K, can we donate, you know, the DVDs? And I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no. that's fine. Like a dummy, I totally forgot that that was still in the DVD case. So I don't have that copy. I have a trade somewhere that I cannot find that I hunted down of that 89 Secret Origins um, collection cannot find it anywhere i don't know if it's lost to time it's 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 somewhere but i love this issue so much you can find it online you might have to uh, use some questionable means to get it um but it is beautiful and you know denny knows the character so well huge inspiration to batman begins obviously that's why it was included in that collector's edition but i love it it could have been higher on my list in my mind it might have been but when i put pen to paper here we are number five I want to quote uh, the one and only Bob Euchre from the 1994 comedy Major League Two. He must be thinking, I don't know what the hell he's thinking. Because (laughs) on episode three of the Batman Book Club, a year ago released roughly, uh, we talked about Dark Victory and you said The Man Who Falls was your favorite Batman story. Yeah, it is. So Uh, I'm really now like, oh man, what's going on in Garrett's head? You think you know somebody. You do. I, you I will say you this. Know someone. It is my favorite singular Batman tale. Um, okay. It's not. It's not my favorite, like long format multi issue story. How about that? Okay. Uh, respect. Mad respect. Um, very cool. Okay. Uh, I want a disclaimer that all ten of my stories that I've chosen, I love. Uh, these top five, I really love. So just keep that in mind. As I say, for number five, it is Frank Miller, David Mazzuchelli, your Batman Year One. Who uh, That might be a little too far down for some folks. Uh, that is not, like, I just, I really love Year One. And the fact that it's only four issues makes it easily digestible to just be like, you know, I'm going to sit down and in 40 minutes, maybe read the whole thing. When a book is that short and it's that good, it's easy to just constantly reread it over and over. But I think the only reason that it drops behind four other stories is because we don't get much of Batman in the suit. That's the only thing. The story is awesome. I just love Bruce Wayne in the bat suit. Um, so that's maybe the only, why is it behind these other four? Maybe that's kind of why. But I love it. I love Batman Year One. Batman Year One. Batman Year One. Batman Year One is number five. Batman Year One's number five. Batman Year One is number one for me. With <gasps> the- Spoiler yeah. alert! Yeah, big hot one. All the way up top. All okay. the way up top. I'm sure uh, it's on Pete's list. Can I be the, the awful person to say it's not even on my list? It's, <laughs> it's not really. on your list? It's not on the list. Can, awesome. can we flip this and kind of ask why is it uh, not on your list? Yeah, what keeps it? Judgment-free zone. Planet Fitness here. Okay. Because when I've, it's, it's, so, it's one of those books that's like so unanimously like lauded and i've read it and read it and read it that now it's like so up there that it's like whenever i jump to thinking like oh man what was my favorite batman story what am i going to go read 
it's not like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to read that, you know, cause I know, ha- I know it so well that yeah. like there's other Batman stories to read. It's not like, it's, it's kind of like surpassed the favorite mark. And I, you know, uh, that and Dark Knight Returns are, have kind are kind of in that same kind of category. Like we're yeah. both super good, super important and everything, but like, I'd rather watch the Dark Knight Returns movie because to me, that's yeah. like way better. So, you know, it's obviously really good, but it's not on my okay. list. Respect. Respect. Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. Hold on. Okay. 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 Um, all right. Let's jump to the next uh, number fiver here. Uh, Mr. Peter M. Vera. <laughs> The M stands for Minnesota. Minnesota, yes. It stands for Minnesota. (laughs) It actually stands for Mauer. Um, um, I know what it stands. I know what it really stands for, but I'm not going to say it. Uh, I'm going. I'm going. I think this is an oddball pick. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has this in their top five. I don't think anyone has this on their list. Um, (laughs) Lauer, you're correct. It is Batman. (laughs) It is Batman Volume One, Four Thirty Two. The Dead Letter Office. Written by um, wow. uh, James Alley, aka Christopher Priest. Yeah, we've talked about this, dude. Javi, Javi loves that pick for you, dude. This you. is such a definitive Batman story. It's a very personal Batman story. Uh, Batman essentially is just investigating an alarm going off in an office building, and it's the most detective I've ever seen. Where Batman's like. He knows everything in Gotham to the point of like when the cleaning crew vacuums the office. So he knows when there's a fresh footprint in the carpet, that means there's a prowler amongst us. And, uh, you know, basically the main part of the story is this woman is dying. She's hired this kind of private investigator to investigate like where her missing son is and Batman and the investigator meet up at some point and they kind of go on this hunt to find this woman's child before she dies. And Batman solves the caper or it's like, you know, this this kid was abducted before he knew his own mother by this other woman. It's it's just a fascinating Batman story, and to the point where like Gordon's got this drug thing going on, and Batman's like, I've got, I've got other things to worry about. You can handle the drugs. You can handle the drug problem in Gotham, and you know, and it's kind of like, well, why are you doing this? And it's fresh off the loss of Jason Todd, and you know, Batman's just trying to reunite a, a mother with her child, and it's 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 captivated me from the first time I've read it. I can't tell you like you're just mesmerized mm. by Aparo's art and it's just, it's, and that it's cover everything is you want. so good. Oh, it's amazing. Just I, I mean, to the point where like Batman to find out information causes, he doesn't cause a fire, but he plants like a smoke bomb in a federal building to, to get everybody out. So he can get the information dresses up as a fireman kicks the police's ass and then escapes. Like it is the most Batman thing you will ever read ever and that includes year one like all, all the great um o'neill stuff it, it's so incredible um i can't speak highly enough for this issue uh it's going to be hard for you to find because it was printed in out in april of 89 so hit up that dc universe is the only time i'll tell you to use digital um it's <laughs> that good of a story really i think everyone needs to read this story because it's absolutely brilliant I have it in the in the queue of my DC universe because this is the first Batman story we've mentioned in this recording tonight that I've never read. Um, and I, we, we, I'm going to get one on talk, you. I've already called it on the Batman book club. Ooh. So I, it is yeah. in my queue. It's funny because it is like, I think it is four issues before, because uh, Batman Year 3, which started in uh, 436, I believe. That was the first, like, when I started getting, and I had the, my first massive 
chunk of comics I started was 436, and I never got before that um, single issue. So, yeah, I need to just hurry up and read the damn thing. And because of this, I actually didn't know Priest wasn't his name. I didn't know his name was – I remember, like, I was talking about with Hoss. He's like, no, that is Christopher Priest. And I was like, really? Owsley sounds like a cooler name. You're like, I don't think – I was just like, I don't think that's the – it's the same issue I'm thinking about. I'm like, no, 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 it is. Just look it up. You're you were like, like, it's written by Priest. I'm like, no, dude, it's written by James Owsley. He's like, no, dude, they're the same guy. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like what? <laughs> Looking at the damn cover, Hoss, okay? <laughs> he changed his name? <laughs> So like that was that was a fun little back and forth. He's like, no, dude, he changed his name. Like that's so ridiculous. Nice, good call. But it's, um, it's a classic. Very cool. All right, that that that's number that's number fives. Uh, number four, Garrett Grav has already told us is mm. Lobli, aka Hush, from Lobli. Uh, this next for me, number four might um I mean maybe deep, but it's not really. It is the retroactively named Batman Strange Apparitions. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. I knew that was Steve showing Engelhart up at some point. And uh, Marshall Rogers. I love the run. Mm. Adore the run. I remember buying it in the comic shop. Um, it's probably like 2006 because I was finally in an area that had comic shops. So I would just, whenever I get paid, I go look in their, their bat shelves to see like, what do they have? And they have the strange apparitions. And I remember uh, my uncle was with me. He's like, Oh, that run, you need to buy it. I'm like, mm. okay, <laughs> okay, even <laughs> right here, $12.95. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, what a great, just a great story that definitely as we got older and more came to light of like the heavy influence this had on Batman 89, um, albeit yeah. some minor, some minor changes, character names, or major, I guess, depends on, uh, on your definition. But I mean, just what a great, um, what a great collection of of stories, which I guess if you want to want to know the actual issues of what it's talking about is detective comics, uh, 469 through 479 in which, um, there's actually only like six issues that are Angle mm-hmm. Hart and Rogers, which mm-hmm. is even more baffling to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And then the influence of course in this is the laughing fish, which is among the best episodes of that in the animated series. Um, there's Rupert Thorne in this, there's Hugo strange in this, we get silver St. Cloud, Introduced great in cover. this dead shot dead shots in this like oh my god like such great uh i mean yeah there's even the um hugo strange wants to sell bruce wayne's or identity. batman's identity yeah oh does yep. that sound familiar to batman the animated series oh hmm. strange apparitions so i mean what a an amazing i think flat out amazing run of comics um 10 comics that had such a lasting like legacy on the batman character i love strange apparitions yeah, yeah. it's straight up definitive and yes for me th- this is number two on my list oh, so, very nice boys um yeah. so like it's it is and, and I, I was definitely gonna touch on that thing i'm like it's it's strange that there are a handful of books like uh and that batman year one is right up there with it that that are just a small handful of issues that took place within like the main bat title that are so influential on like a huge mm-hmm. amount of like other parts of the character, you know, out, outside of comic books and strange apparitions is absolutely up there. And I think a lot of that goes to just the, it's the qual obviously it's the quality of storytelling. And for me, it's the tone that yeah. they were able mm-hmm. to hit on those books because they are so well written and, it, and the, the focus is so tight in those and, and the dang way that that the the Batman's drawn the cape and it's it's like a 
it's just so great it's like a very like quintessential like it was like late 70s right it's like 70s batman yeah, 77 77 but it but it takes it's it's like almost it's like it takes a lot of the the tone and setup that you know o'neill and adams would do and they kind of it's, it feels a lot like the next evolution or iteration of that mm. where it's a little bit more refined and it's like a really interesting um i don't know middle step between like a origin like a o'neill and uh, adams like reinventing batman and like frank yeah. miller like defining batman it, it, and and not to say that that this isn't important because it is it's like a, it just hits all the tones and and you can see that because that is kind of what the overall kind of tone you get in like things like the batman the animated series like it's a pretty interesting comic book analog to that um if you had to pick a, a bunch of comic books to be like oh i wonder what they could what really factored into like the animated series this would have to be up there so yeah like yeah strange apparitions is absolutely a all-timer they found a feel that was sticky you know like the it wasn't all the particulars but it was like the general feeling that that era evoked that stuck around and became sort of like you know definitive or reflective or like boiled down and concentrated in some ways of what would be Batman sort of the jumping off point for the next creators to look back and say, you know, what are we evolving from and what are the things in it that we need to hold true to as we evolve? Like that's, that's all right in this era for sure. I love the pick. Yeah. Um, Booyah also coming soon to the Batman book club with another (laughs) comic book encyclopedia that speaks. Um, all right, very cool. Uh Peter. Uh number five. I'm sorry, number four for me is uh is a is a big one. And uh, you know, I can't go I no top ten list of mine would be complete without a Neil Adams story. So it's the Joker's five way revenge in Batman fifty one. Um I j- just you know, it the return of the Joker after what was like what, a decade of just being MIA in Gotham city and him going around trying to tie up loose ends, trying to silence people who he thinks have wronged him and whatever the hell makes sense in his head. I mean, just, just a really fabulous story of the Joker, just taking out people, you know, and right from the get go, that first page of just him in the car and the rain. I mean, Adam just aced it. Just that, that, that Joker, his, his, it's such a definitive look for the Joker too. Right. Just he, he's he looks very prim and proper in his his suit and everything and throughout the story and it, it, it's it's a classy with classy Joker with you know he's just, he's got a lot of volume in his hair it, it's there's a lot of like interesting things that Adams just does you know there's Batman is boxing with like an ex Joker henchman and Batman for some reason just lets this guy get two shots in him you know it's it's fascinating how Adams drew this this book to me and I just I love every page it's just. It's just masterclass and artwork and just, I mean, I just, I'm just glowing at, as I flip through it right now. Just, it's just brilliant in my opinion. Well, it's that so- Joker became like the Joker of what I think of as like the pop culture conscious of the Joker until mm-hmm. 89. Yeah. You know, the, um, I think, I think of Neil's Joker and I immediately think of superpowers joker in the in the action okay. figure you squeeze yeah. the legs together he had the tails on the back the big yeah. sledgehammer yeah and it was it was um cartoonish in a way that wasn't safe 
and it was mischievous in a way that wasn't too twee. You know, it was, it, it, it got to a menacing character without getting to, you know, Ledger Joker uh, or, you know, even before that. But um, killing joke Joker. Yeah, killing joke yeah. Joker. Yeah. It, it got, it, it was dangerous while still like, being fun for yeah. you know the worst person around yeah so it's just it's it, classic it chose it's the iconic really well it's so and important then, too just because we never had a, a gap like that of the joker since yeah yeah i mean remember it's, i mean go back to the new 52 was gone for 10 years yeah well now it is you think about when the new 52 came out and it was introduced in detect he was introduced in the new 52 and detective one and then didn't show up yes. for a year in Batman, and he didn't have a face when he did, and that was a mm-hmm. big deal. Like the Joker hasn't been in the comic books for a year. That's a huge deal. Like, yeah, that's not not, not that long ago. You went a decade, <laughs> like you know, crazy. Yeah, and I mean, it's even like iconic of one of the definitely one of the. I mean, you could argue one of the best, but definitely one of the most well-known Batman comic covers ever. Yeah, also. One of the coolest for playing card. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just brilliant. And just the way he takes people out, like he poisons one guy's water. You know, he's in a box. He's, he's, he's in a gym, so he poisons his water. And that's how he – and they just get more extreme. And then one guy's got the exploding cigarette or cigar. And then the next guy is, is strapped to a wheelchair above a shark tank. And then he's like, well, Batman, I'll let him live if you take his place. And he's like, oh, guess what? I lied. So, you know, he kind of teeters that line of like prankster, like Garrett said earlier. And – it's just, I mean, Adam's artwork is just brilliant. I mean, there's so many just wonderful panels of Batman and the cowl and him springing to action and just looking stoic. And it's, it's like the definitive, in my opinion, just story of that era and that time from this creative team. You can throw other issues in with like, you know, with the, when Roz has got the hairy chest standing above like you know, Batman <laughs> oh, yeah. around, I forget what the number is, but like the five way revenge, just because it involved the Joker and the return and it's so impactful and it was so, it was so powerful at that time. And, you know, I, I, I mean, it's one of my favorites. Like I, I mean, I own it. I own, I own it in the, in the Ill, Batman illustrated by Neil Adams. I own the actual book. I've got him signed. by yeah. Neil It's just amazing. Like, I love, I love Neil. So like his Batman has a real special place in my heart. Sell your shit and get your Wayne Manor, Pete. Come on. He's no kidding. <laughs> anyway, mind. Uh, Mr. Mr. Haas. Uh, yes. I applaud your pick for sure, Peter. Well done. Uh, Mr. Haas, want to cap off the fours? The fours. Okay. So my number four, um, gosh, I'm going to swap things here. <gasps> Ooh, I'm going to swap things Which? here on the fly. Can on the I fly, do that? Yeah. Can I do that? Yeah. Did uh, I, judges? Judge Mills Lane will allow it. Yes. I'll allow it. Okay. Uh, there it is. <laughs> Otherwise, it's going to get boring. The, um, so I said that uh, I had the war drums and games and crimes on my list, but it was like a tie. So I could I could just I could just say that it's what I had, or I could okay. pick something else so we can talk about something else for a minute. <laughs> Your call. So it was this was the spot that I originally had the War Drums Games Crimes trilogy, and it's really good. But I'm going to use this opportunity to to make a new uh, number four, and my new number four would be the uh, the Doug Munch and Kelly Jones run in Batman as the we entire are- run. The entire run, yeah, just because we were like sitting here talking about like, you know, 
good stories in the Batman titles themselves. I think this is a really good one, really underrated one. Um, Doug Munch uh, and Kelly Jones, like they're they're a really interesting pair together because Kelly Jones tends to uh, be more on the horror side, and he started out doing the covers for things like Nightfall, and and he skews more into the the more esoteric, the more uh, interpretive kind of kind of artwork. Um, and then Doug Munch historically had kind of, I think. Um, in some of the interviews we we have done on Everyone Loves a Drake with writers like Chuck Dixon, I think he would always refer to Doug Munch as like the the weird horror writer that was really good at writing Batman, but he like didn't really he wasn't really a huge fan of uh, of like the normal like villains and stuff. So he had he was more comfortable kind of taking Batman and putting him in like weird situations or horror themed things, which is kind of a throwback in a lot of ways to. Yeah. Some of the other stories I was talking about, like from Batman's early years before there were a bunch of villains and stuff, a bunch of mainstay type things. So, so it's a cool run because of, of that spin from Doug Munch and, and Kelly Jones doing not just the covers, but also the interiors and Doug Munch. Uh, you do get stories with, you know, Killer Croc and Two-Face and Joker in there too. So um but you also get some cool DC slanted um, horror type things. Like you get like a, you get some dead man stuff and some swap thing stuff. So it's a really cool, well-rounded run that just kind of takes place in that Batman title. That's unencumbered by other, you know, um, continuity things going on at the time. It's just really solid and really interesting. Um, So it's, it's, it's definitely kind of an iconic thing up that's up there for me. The guy was a hell of a quarterback. It's too bad he never got a ring. <laughs> oh, Jim Kelly, you talented <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> so, many ta- so many talents. Wow. I love the DC. They released two volumes of, of this run thus far, yes. and they were instant buys by me because Bray Fogel was uh, – him and Aparo made such a huge impression of me on Batman. Um, some of my first artists I ever saw with Batman were those two. Uh, and I always give the credit to Bray Fogel because I think I saw more of Bray Fogel's stuff. But then Kelly Jones, a.k.a. Jim Kelly, was right on their heels uh, with with his stuff. Like I said, the Nightfall covers just terrified the hell out of me as a kid. Ugh. But then these stories, too, like the, I'm so glad that they collected them in hardcovers and I bought them and read yeah. them. So it was a little like, oh, I don't remember this. Don't remember this. Ooh, I do remember yep. this one. Oh, don't remember this. Don't remember this. I do remember this. And so, um, yeah, I'll allow it. And what a great great run of comics um in the 90s uh we were spoiled at that time period yes we were well done um i believe garrett you can go ahead and go with number threes number three i've talked about it with you lauer before (gasps) it is near and imagine you know like we like that is some strange thing on a on a recording that other people would have listened to it's near and dear to my heart. It is, in my opinion, often overlooked because it follows up to a uh, all-timer, very revered uh, story. Um, and this has just so much heart. And I spoke earlier about you know, what I think Robin means to Batman and um, why really good Robin stories become um, instrumental to understanding Batman and, and, and the psyche and, and the motivations and the care and heart of the character. I'm talking about Dark Victory, 
Um, all, <laughs> all of the talent in the world you could want to be here with Loeb and Sale you know, reunited, and it feels so good. And this time, um, they made a tale that has become, I'm not alone in saying this, but my uh, response to people when they say that a realistic or a grounded Batman story can, can't involve Robin, I say, you need to go look at Dark Victory. Um, what I love so much about the story, besides the gorgeous artwork, besides uh, a really great cast of characters, is, is what it says about you know, the heart of Batman and the way that um, Loeb was able to craft a story that takes people from a point of isolation and despair and loss and separation of relationships and severed ties to one another and introduces this element of um, a need to move from pain to a point of growth and taking that loneliness and doing something with it to help someone else who is experiencing loneliness and loss and pain. So um, it is a, a beautiful story to me. And you know, we've seen the image represented through a, a number of different artists. Alex Ross has a great version of this. Um, but the, the swearing of the oath between uh, Bruce and young Dick Grayson just like mm. gets me every dang time yeah, I man. see it. Um, and it, it is not just because these people are tied together in loss and vengeance. It's tied together in brotherhood and support and knowing that they will keep each other uh, true and focused and good. And that means the world to me. So this is, that's my number three. For the first time in this recording, same story on the same note. No! Number three be Dark Victory for me as well. And I won't take much time uh, other than just saying that, like, I love the stamp story. I love yeah. it. Adore it. Just adore it. Yep. It's such a wonderful story. And I always forget every time I freaking read it how long it is until we get Dick Grayson. It's long. Yeah. You're um, like, which is fine. Because the whole story is whole story's freaking awesome. I love it. Um, bought this. I bought this right after I bought the Long Halloween for the very first time back in 2003. Mm -hmm. uh, read it and I adored it. So can you imagine, like, man, these are some of my first Batman stories, like collected long right. epics. Uh, right. Boom, boom. So Dark Victory, well done, uh, Peter. What you got? Uh, for me, it's funny. Uh, for number three, I have the Long Halloween. Nice. Oh, hey! <laughs> Very nice. Uh, yeah, just uh, what can you not love about that story? Uh, just uh, everything from the Joker's huge teeth to Gilda. And so, many teeth. <laughs> so many teeth. Just, so Christ many. The, you know, the Christmas stuff. Uh, it's just uh, the holiday killer. I, I don't know. You, you could praise it forever. I mean, uh, Loeb does an amazing job with these ensemble stories we've mentioned we just mentioned dark victory we've mentioned hush earlier like he excels when he's working with all these characters like you give him a sandbox to play in and he, he throws everything at you and it's it's fabulous and i i love it i i own i own the entire set in issues i own a trade paperback i own the absolute it's one of my favorite all-time batman stories obviously and it's just it's just beautiful to, to read and flip through and if, if you have the money to spend I highly recommend the absolute edition because it is, it is beautiful to look at Tim sales artwork on that big canvas. It's, it's my, it's one of my all time favorites. It's, it's number two for me. Uh, um, I just, <laughs> I, I love it so much. You know, it's the one yeah. I go back to 
again and again and again. And it's not, you know, it, these are not short reads. Like you have to dedicate some time to it and they really all enjoy it. Yeah. You got to soak it in. They also aren't necessarily easy reads. Um, I don't want to overstate that too much, but there are things that you will miss both in the storytelling and the art. If you're doing a casual cruise through, or it's the first couple times that you will pick up and notice later, you know, whether it's details in the art or whether it's um, the way, you know, Loeb really uh, intelligently sets up some sort of narrative structure that follows up on itself and reveals itself to be later. There's, there's a, you know, there's a couple little, uh, if you wanted to knit and pick here and no, there, but no. it's so, so oh. very minor. It's, it's really not worth it. Um, it, it is, I love dark victory because of the heart, but I also really love it because the long Halloween sets it up so much with where those characters get to be mm-hmm. in, in um, the mentality and the psyche of this, these separated, fractured, you know, disjointed people and relationships in the story that gets in there. It's, it's gorgeous. Uh, it's no surprise to anybody that the long Halloween is my number one. Let's get that. What? Let's get that shit yeah. out of the way. What? Here. Um, that an hour and 45 minutes ago, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, if you want to hear my thoughts on it, listen to any episode of the Batman book club. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> it always makes an appearance. And, yeah. And, and now I'll, I'll just let you know, it's my favorite Batman story. But I'll top and say in any medium, video game, TV show, movie, um, it's my favorite uh, Batman story, period. So uh, that that tops the, the threes. Uh, Haas, did your war games then slip to number three? No, I just... Uh, you I, dropped I, it. I, I just dropped it. I just okay. dropped it to a, 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 what do you call it, a honorable mention. Honorable mention. Okay, well, give us your number three, sir. My number three is Nightfall. Uh, I didn't talk about it too much when Garrett hit it because it was yeah. a little bit higher. I was on to you. <laughs> so, but yeah, like uh, I've said it before. I talk about Nightfall a lot. I talk about um, Azrael and like, that whole that whole thing. I mean, so for me, it's one of those stories where it, it I did grow up with it. It, it was my first mm-hmm. introduction to Batman. It, it is kind of a good quintessential story of the whole uh, concept of batman's malleability because when i was a kid that you got that story at the same time you had like the burton movies and the animated series and stuff going on but like in the comic books you had this weird super rad 90s like hardcore batman going on and it like worked in so much as uh it it wasn't supposed to work you weren't supposed to like him because you're supposed to like uh see like oh th- this isn't what what batman should be like you're supposed to question it and uh, over the years like that my relationship with that story has only grown because when i first got the the my first trade paperbacks of it like kind of like lauer it wasn't the you know they didn't publish the full story it was just like the the major beat major beats but then um you know nightfall is broke is referred to as the night saga it's nightfall night's quest night quest search night quest the crusade and night's end and uh once you get there in the middle it gets kind of muddled and and Mm. super 90s and because it was set up like a status quo thing kind of like no man's land nightfall is like i don't know what like 19 parts or something but then when they hit um night quest it's like oh this is just the world now you know now we're going to have some books that follow 
John Paul Valley Azrael Batman. We're going to have some books that follow Bruce Wayne, uh, you know, with the broken back and trying to track down Tim Drake's stolen, you know, dad or whatever, kidnapped dad and kidnapped uh, Chandra Kinsolving. And they didn't really want to show their hand and show that, like, you know, where the story was going. They didn't want to be like part whatever. They're like, nope, this is, this is the, this is it, you know? Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so I've had an interesting relationship with it over the years. And of course it has a novel as well, which it was written by Dennis O'Neill. It's very good. And uh, so, and it's also got an audio drama. So it's a, it's a Batman story you can really dive into and experience in a lot of different ways. But overall, it all comes back down to that whole um, thing to me of that. I think that every generation uh, tests um not just the malleability of Batman, but the question of Batman, like every so often there's becomes this, for some reason, this growing um, question in people's minds when it comes to superhero stuff. And and for Batman specifically is like, you know, do people care about Batman? Do we need a Batman? It's like, yeah, we Batman, do. Does Batman, you know, why does Batman not kill? Does Batman need to kill? It's like, have, have we grown past uh, the Batman? And um, every story kind of, and every generation kind of steps up to the plate a little bit and comes out with stories and things that, that prove that the worth of that, you know, and dark Knight returns is obviously one of them. And, and I think nightfall literally was from the mouth of Denny O'Neill himself. Like that's one reason why they made nightfall is to kind of test and be like a, a, a commentary on the, the, state of the comic book industry in the nineties of like, was this the Batman people want or, is Batman still, can he still stand the test of time? What Batman is at his core. And, um, you know, although Nightfall is a big, long, sprawling tale, once you get to the very end, like that very last issue of, of Night's End, it kind of, all the big and bombast stops and, uh, and it kind of gets down to a really one-on-one character focused thing, which kind of shows you like the, the whole crux of the entire story. So, so yeah, so for so many reasons, um, Nightfall is way up, way high on my list. I love, I love response stories. I love, especially like when it's the old dogs in the industry and they're like, oh really? This is what the kids like these days? <laughs> you like your image and your valiant and your punisher. You look at the titles that were like, you know, burning up the charts uh, when Nightfall came. Like this was a direct response to that. And it's like, do you really want that from your heroes? Is this really what you find inspiring and um, you know, in, endearing in the way that superheroes are endearing. Uh, are you sure? Like, should we, should we reflect the mirror back at you and see if you like, if we did that to what has become, you know, in some circles seen as like a fuddy duddy old character and no, Fuddy-duddy. you don't like it. Yeah. Like Denny Neal's like, man, the worst thing that could have happened is that they actually, I can't remember if it was, I think it was Denny that said it. The worst thing that could happen is like people actually would have liked John Paul Valley as Batman and yeah. we would have been like, oh no, crap. We, 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 don't get to, we don't get to make the point we were trying to make. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love that they took a big swing on it and I love that it paid off. Um, you know, you're right in the middle, it gets a little muddy, but for sure Nightfall in that first chapter of the stories is like, you know, some primo stuff for me. Um, booyah all right we're down to the two but garrett yours have been pretty much been revealed i've already showed all my cards so. you have uh number two i'm so, ex- just, I'm so exposed as, as you just said recently was uh the long halloween 
Uh, Mr. Haas, your number two was Strange Apparitions. Yes. Peter, Vera, what you got for number two? Uh, for number two is uh, Old Reliable. It's Batman Year One. Year so, One. That's yeah. why you were quiet, you yeah. sneaky uh, bastard. I, I, yeah, well, I, I, for my next, yeah, for the next one as well. Uh, I just love how Batman Year One just starts from the beginning. I just, I, I love the perspective of both Gordon and Bruce coming to Gotham at the same time and starting this journey that seems to be endless together. And, you know, I, I love how it's kind of, uh, you know, a Batman in his beginning, figuring things out and, you know, and, and then seeing something like this inspire something like Batman begins, you know, there's certain scenes in that movie that were, you know, ripped right out, you know, uh, the, the bats coming for backup and all that stuff. Like to see that moment on the big screen after falling in yeah. love with your one, after your first reading, you're like, Oh man, like this is what being a fanboy is all about. And just, you know, I love the simple artwork by magic. What somebody say his name. Cause I'm going to butcher it. I've always said Mazza Kelly. Yeah. Mazza Kelly. We'll go with that one. Cause I, I always look it up and I always <laughs> forget after I hear somebody. It's like that Fabok. Is it Fabok? Fabric? I can't remember. <laughs> Mazza Kelly's. I love how like the artwork. Jurgens, Jurgens. Yeah. I'll stand by that, Justin. Uh, <laughs> it's simple. It's not over the top. It's not heavily detailed. It's not, you know, very stylized like a Jim Lee. It's, but, but it's so effective and, and it moves forward. And I, I kind of like Batman versus the mob element. You know, there's no freaks mm. in Gotham yet. You know, and yeah. I just I just love where that story begins and how it starts everything and like you know where we said like you need to appreciate other Batman stories before you get to the Dark Knight Returns like start off with year one. You don't, like, yeah, you it's still Frank Miller, but it doesn't ex- if it doesn't feel like Frank Miller and right, and, which is really kind of interesting to me. And um, the other thing I love about that story too is just like the vibe and the art is so non traditional comic book art but it, mm-hmm. it it's so it soaks it sucks you in in a different way and like the colors the colors are on that story are amazing and there's two you know the two different versions you can read either in the actual newsprint issues or they recolored it when it went out to the the trade paperback because yeah. it was on different paper and so there's a lot of different ways to experience that story but whenever someone that comes up to me and says, Hey, like, I, I, you know, like you, you love Batman. Where do I start? It's always with year one, like start yeah. at the beginning, learn, learn the essence of the character. What are, what is core elements? Like, why is he doing what he's doing? And, you know, while every Batman movie and journey and stories, you know, states what happened to the Waynes and why Batman, why Bruce Wayne begins this crusade. I don't think anyone really nails it as well as Miller does in year one. It's just, it's brilliant. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's just a true love letter to the character. Cause it just, it nails so many things perfectly like, Oh man, like it's just, it's so definitive in so many ways. And it's just such a great ending, you know, which sets up the man who laughs, you know, like I, yeah. I love that, you know, it's, it's like, it's that's that in my mind, that's like Batman year two, the man who laughs, you know, yeah. not actually <laughs> Batman year, not actually year two. Yeah. But that is, so it's like, it's, it's such a, and it, again, like that story's so big, it started the year one label. Like everyone does year one. It's not just a DC thing. Like Marvel does it too. Like, year two and year three. Yeah. yeah <laughs> it, it, it started that whole like brand of storytelling where you start. Zero years. Yeah. And then, you know, I, he, you know, Frank even tried to do Superman year one years later, which came out recently, but oh, you know, sort it, of whatever. Yeah. But uh, it, it's just, it, it's a great story and it's, you got to really nail the character and understand them. Like I said earlier, you start from the beginning and you got to start with your one. 
you know, for me too, when I think about it, and I'm, I know there, there are, you know, not to maybe this degree, this was the first time, um, you know, reading it years later when I was old enough to read it, where I was like, oh, this is sort of like a, like a self-involved, tortured, psychological Batman, as yeah. opposed to, man, I'd sure like to stop bad things from happening to other people, Batman, you know, like this, you know, the, the internal monologue that Miller does. And it's obviously mm-hmm. a big part of Dark Knight Returns, but I like it here because it's a less bombastic. It's very um, exposed and raw and real as he's developing this, you know, what becomes his protective outer shell of the persona of the Batman, you know, when, when he's in the study and he, he could bleed out and he's that, you know, his thought process is going through like ring the bell, you know, is this, and then um, to have that be the narration point is so powerful. I like that there isn't, you know, Peter, you mentioned um, there aren't big freak show over the top villains, uh, which lets, sort of the realism, um, mm-hmm. you know, breathe and develop in a way and it allows it to be this story of Batman, you know, Bruce and, um, you know, Gordon as opposed to Batman and Joker, right? So it's like yeah. this human element of like struggle and frailty and how you fight against those things from like Gordon having a hard time in his marriage and everything else to like these men that want to do the right thing. They want to grow and become more than what they are, but they are human and they are fragile and they Mm -hmm. have to find a way to evolve beyond that. And they find each other and help each other do that. Like that's just like, so, so masterful. Yeah. Uh, It's, it's beautiful. That's why it's my number one. It's my number one. And it's again, like there's no freak. So there's no one to upstage Batman. It's literally a story about him. He is the center of the story. And you know, one of my favorite parts of the book, probably my second favorite part outside of uh, Batman and the Bats backup is Gordon just taking down Flash. Oh, so good. Mm. You know, like, oh. My second favorite part of that book isn't even a Batman moment. It's Gordon getting his revenge. I know, it's so unexpected. And you're just like, yeah, oh, that's just when like, you know the character work is good when you oh, read for things like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, again, the narration, like the narration of him talking through. Like, yeah, you he's know. a Green Beret. I haven't taken him down in a while, but I know, you know, just he the confidence in Gordon and just, he leaves him lying naked in the snow. And then later on, Flash is like, and they do this really great in the animated movie that me and Lauer talk talked about in the pilot of the batman book club where just flash is like it's this big giant man he's big you know like he's totally making up the story and there's just gordon just like all right flash thanks yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's just it's it's so great and uh, there's so many wonderful moments in that story uh, my only the only thing i can really nitpick about it is you know just I, I wouldn't personally have made selena kyle a prostitute but it does work within the context of that. It story. is sort of a, a Miller eighties. Yeah. yeah. It's it's kind of a little bit. It's definitely the most Miller thing in that book. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, no arguments on your choice, Pete. I think I have mentioned uh, what my number two is before on the Batman book club. We have covered the, the book. It is uh, Mr. Lee Bermejo's Batman oh. Noel. Oh yeah. Oh, nice. What a, what a delight. I love that book. I loved it. The moment I got my hands on my hardcover and read it for the first time in 2011. And I Mm -hmm. thought this is freaking amazing. I love it. I love that book so much. And I even have it signed by Mr. Bermejo himself. Uh, Garrett and I got to interview him 
recently on the Batman Film Podcast. Um, always comes back to Batman Noel because it's just an amazing freaking story. Real treat. Um, yeah, I can't. I've. I mean, it was it was covered for the Christmas episode. I guess you could say this past December. So I'll track that down, and I gush about it for uh, a long time. Well, so perfect. Now <laughs> um, we are down to our number ones, and it's down to Peter and Haas. I'm like, what oh, do they oh, got? Boy. What haven't because we heard yet? My number one is the Long Halloween. Garrett's is year one. Peter implied we have already mentioned his number one. Oh, he man. just kept quiet about it. What could it so be? I think Pete should go first because yeah. Haas is the real wild card. Yeah, I, 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 mine's a wild card of wild card. You would only know my number one if you're a Ryan Haas super fan. So yeah, Pete, go first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for me, my number one is No Man's Land. Woo! Uh, I absolutely love No Man's Land. Everything yeah, Pete about it. Been so on the wavelength all night. It's great. Yeah, yeah. It, it just it turned Batman upside down. Like, what is the one thing Batman can't fight, and it's a natural disaster. Like, to the point where virus. Yeah, there, there's that too. But he eventually come up with an antidote. Like this, this sure. literally destroys the city that he's sworn his life to protect, and it's just fascinating. And the characters within, like how the city divides itself between Joker and you know Lex Luthor comes involved, and you have the uh, uh, Scarface has got some turf, and how Batman comes back, and how Gordon feels like he was abandoned by Batman to the point where they have a, the rift that goes on for a little bit, and. You know, eventually uh, there, there's a there's a reason why Gordon shoots Joker in the kneecap, you know, because he he did probably the second most unspeakable act in the history of Gordon's life. Um, then you get that brilliant issue of the Huntress with the kids in the church uh, fighting mm. off the scarecrow. And that's great. And Huntress has a whole arc where she's Batgirl. Mm -hmm. People think she's Batman. And then she goes back to being Huntress and, you know, like Stephanie Brown and war games and war drums trying to prove herself to Batman. And then yeah. Cassandra Kane and, and David Kane, they, they enter the, the, the story and it's just, it's all out chaos. And the one thing that I always take out of no man's land is it gives you the perfect adaptation of Oswald Cobblepot. I was going to say, we haven't talked about Penguin yet. Penguin. <laughs> <laughs> it is like the penguins controlling everything from money to goods to food uh you know one bullet is worth like three apples you know it, it's insane what he's done and it's it's so utterly amazing and the creative teams that involved just hundred uh, i mean what seems like hundreds of writers and hundreds of artists really in unison just nailing this this long epic and it's it's so well worth the read from cataclysm to the end of no man's land it's just a beautiful beautiful definitive batman tale Woo! Woo, doggy. Um, first of all, well done, Peter. Mm -hmm. On staying silent um, through that, because I would not have guessed that that was going to be the one. Although you probably have dropped hints somewhere along. It's it's a total like I, now I, like I, oh yeah, I look back on uh, this conversation with Pete and this conversation with Pete. It's it's no uh, it's no secret. I love No Man's Land. That's why I love Rises so much. Is because mm -hmm. the second half of that movie is No Man's Land. I do love that part of No Man's Land when John Blake becomes Robin. Yeah, I love the origin <laughs> vision. That's, that's so good. That's a great, that's a great story. Um, okay, so now we're at the grand finale here oh, boy. with oh, uh, Ryan Haas. Stick you, the landing. No pressure, but yeah. I mean, yeah. Detective 27 us. when Batman has the gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The a fitting end of his kind. The comic Purple adaptation Bob. of Batman and Robin. Yeah, um, well, it was written right. by Denny. So there, all, there <laughs> all right, hit well, us. Yeah, I mean, hopefully this actually qualifies for a pick. Oh, he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that, you know, 
It could be a novel or a uh, or a comic book, but this is actually neither. But it does kind of. I still think it actually does count. So I mentioned this before, and I and you know every time I we talk about obscure comics, it kind of comes up. And I think I even mentioned like I should do. I should we should cover this on this show. But the problem with covering this is that it's so obtuse and hard to track down because it's never really been reprinted properly. And I, I, I keep hammering, well, you know, not that loudly. Maybe I should start a hashtag campaign yes. uh, to, to get this Always. reprinted because it's, it's really literally like the, what I'm about to talk about. I love this. Is, uh, is like, it's one of the best Batman stories that nobody's ever read. And, and I truly mean that. It is like an epic, big-ass story. And it just, it's just so, so great. So what I'm talking about, of course, if, if you didn't know, is the... Uh, is the 1989 to 1990 comic strip newspaper strip uh, of Batman. And that, that at first, I mean, it went through a few different writer, writer and artist teams. It started out um, being written by Max Allen Collins and illustrated by Marshall Rogers. Yes. Marshall Rogers. And then eventually it gave way to, um, uh, being written by William Messner Loeb's and drawn by yes Carmine Infantino yes Carmine Infantino wow. so those are some names those are some names yes and like we've and those names that we've talked about being important on these stories like they're there and so this whole story I mean you get everything you get um it, and it's initially kind of set up as a loose spiritual successor sequel to Batman eighty nine actually in the way that it's written and drawn. And this is before Batman Returns, obviously. So you kind of get like Catwoman and Penguin going on in there. But then eventually, it, and so there's a lot of really cool things in there. And it kind of does have this same kind of like Batman 89 vibe. But it's also got some strange apparitions vibes going on too. So it's got a really cool, like interesting vibe. And and like I've said before, like the uh, storytelling medium of these newspaper strips it has always been really fascinating to me because you'll have like your, they have to tell these little complete stories like every single day. And then on your Sunday strip is when you can get a little bit more involved with the story. So they tell a little bitty story every day, but they all connect. And then um, the entirety of this comic strip gets told in big blocks, right? So like it goes like one big stories for Catwoman and other was for Penguin. Uh, eventually when it, um, transitions the writer and artist team you get you know you get joker you get two-face you get um the origin of robin you get the riddler you get the mad hatter but the overarching but there is also an overarching story that kind of pops up through the whole thing and uh, and that kind of deals a lot with um the rise and fall of two-face and so two-face is a really big part uh that kind of ebbs and flows and comes and goes throughout the whole series and really it's probably one of the best two-faced stories that there is also like i know we have long halloween obviously but like this one really is that good and it's such a shame that it is so inaccessible that so many people have obviously have not read it so, so how could it how could you come across this now so there is this there's this guy on the internet that <laughs> oh you got was, a guy that that real that these got reprinted in I believe like a comic magazine called the Comics, comics Review. Review yes and he scanned them all and um, some of them are in color some of them aren't 
but he was able to scan most all of them and he um and he even provides commentary uh, like before the parts of like this is the context of this strip this is the context of this character and he gives you these little previews before each thing it's so good uh his he used to have it on live journal but i believe he's transferred all yes but he's now translated it all to tumblr and i think if you look up um the daily batman you can find i believe the entirety of this of this giant epic story and it is so worth the time because it's so cool it hits batman in his uh world on a really different level and it is it's it's like um it's like I reading some it. yeah see so there so if you find the daily batman on tumblr you'll find it it's so cool because it's like reading something that you know you wow. it's like a big lost batman story that you've never read basically so God damn, like what a freaking pull there it, yeah it's a super Son deep of a bitch <laughs> is this the same guy who was asking me for street cred not too yeah. long ago? <laughs> Hoss, this is next level. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm Google impressed. is like, I'm having a hard time keeping up with this man. So I'm going to find this. And uh, I didn't know Tumblr was still around, but I will find it on Tumblr. And I yeah, I was looking this. for it before this. Like he had it on the live journal. And then today I was like, oh man, the live journal is down. But then I found out that he did put it all on this tumblr and i'm like this is great so now i now i could reread this thing again because now i'm getting amped up to read it again tumblr you know it's a newspaper vero, strip so you can just what was that pete tumblr's bigger than vero bro. i know so like yeah <laughs> wow. pop yeah. this on tumblr and then you could just read a newspaper strip or two you know like, until you're until you're done so that's crazy that's it's, that's it's not so good I should should definitely because you did this um post this a, yeah. a while after the episode drops mm-hmm. so as to not spoil anything yes. for anybody on what your number one is but man i'm very i'm very impressed and anytime <laughs> i might think that i know something about batman I'm like no you don't you rain don't. check yeah i don't yeah. know anything i'm so, such a fool i'm very looking yeah there you go well done i'm looking forward to turning uh turning all you guys and any uh, Batman book couple of listeners into the the deep cut uh, get into the deep cut Batman club here and um, yeah read this thing so we can talk about it and and and, and prove and tell me how right I was about there's, it, <laughs> about, there's about now a new host of the Batman book club it is uh, still <laughs> the Ryan Batman newspaper club just uh, Ryan Haas um, wow bravo well we did it gentlemen in the most epic uh, episode recording of the Batman book club I don't know how long it's we're beefy. going right now yeah this, this is, is like this three is beefy. hours dude yeah we're we're knocking on, we're, ju- we're Zach on three hours <laughs> I'm gonna do I've got two quick things, uh, and then we'll skedaddle out of here. I just want to recap because it's been so long. Ooh. So, um, Garrett from 10 to 1 was Dark Knight Returns, Nightfall, A Lonely Place of Dying, Three Jokers, Court of Owls, Man Who Falls, Hush, Dark Victory, The Long Halloween, and Year One. Bingo. Peters was Three Jokers, The Killing Joke, Under the Hood, Bruce Wayne Murderer slash Fugitive, War Drums, War Games. Uh, Batman number 432, uh, Batman 251, at the Long Halloween, Year One, and No Man's Land. Mine, Darker Than Death, Batman 455 through 457, Deja Vu, White Knight, Batman Prey, Year One, Strange Apparitions, Dark Victory, Noel, and the Long Halloween. And lastly, Ryan Haas was Hush, Three Jokers, Legacy, 
Dark Moon Rising, No Man's Land, Venom, uh, the Kelly Jones Doug Mench run, <laughs> Nightfall, Strange Apparitions, and Holy Hell Out of Nowhere, the comic strip from 1989. <laughs> wow. To 1990. What a dang amazing Woo! list from everybody. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That's I think uh, that's I think everyone did a good go- job of picking you know deep cuts and just you know perennial favorites. I think I mean, it really I matches. I know you. We all know each other really well. Your lists all really match your personalities. They're so reflective of all of us, isn't that crazy? How malleable Batman is, even in damn top ten lists. <laughs> there, right. There's not one story that's on all of our lists though. I no, think that part's like, like a crazy person crossover. We don't like, all have the same thing. Pete Garrett and I each had year one. Pete Garrett and I each had the long Halloween. Okay, I'm finding a trend here. Yeah, it's it's Haas. Haas is the oh, Haas is that liar. Big brain. I'm, I mean, but war games and and uh, what mm. war games Peter and Haas had. Um, I mean, Nightfall three, was on me and and Garrett. Okay, three, three jokers, jokers. You three had yeah. <laughs> three of them. <laughs> three jokers. Oh, I get me. it. I get what you did. The two of us have um, hush. Anybody else have hush? Garrett had hush. Garrett had hush. But yeah, that was. I mean, not one story is uh, clear across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, lastly, we'll we'll start with um, with Garrett. Do you have an honorable mention that that was never mentioned that you never said? An honorable mention never mentioned. Yeah, I did not bring this one up. It is a. It is one that's just like kind of near and dear to my heart. I don't think anyone else would put it on the list. It is Batman Annual 16. It was part okay. of the uh, mm. Eclipso storyline. And <laughs> yeah, yep. And in this one. Are you uh, trying to Ryan Haas us? Is no, that what man, you're trying to do right now? I got this as a child. It was one of my very first comic books. It was in my it was in my uh, my stocking at Christmas or like up leading up to Christmas. Oh, I'll see I have this cover. Yeah. And it it's a big joker cover, um, real toothy. And on the Sam end, Keith. it is, yeah, it's Sam Keith. Uh, Eclipso uh, is this like, you know, demon thing that would possess different people throughout the DC universe. And Batman and Joker are both transformed into like mammoth dragons that fight over the sky of Gotham in this one. It is not a particularly great issue, but it is uh, a special one to me. So I, I threw that on there because it came to mind as I was writing up my list and I have, I have the one I had uh, as a child and I've got a better uh, copy of it since then. So that's my, all right. Uh, Pete, you have anything? Uh, yeah. Batman son of the demon by Mike Barr and uh, nice. Gary Brigham. Uh, just a really, really interesting tale of Bruce Talia and Damien's origin. Uh, just worth checking out there's a uh he did a whole trilogy right son of the demon what was it what else was it called the other two bride of the demon and birth um, of the demon yeah so birth is gorgeous yeah you got to check out gorgeous that whole, book. Whole trilogy there it's well worth the read and uh oh, it, oh yeah that's the one we've got the nice hardcover out yeah yeah right. i've yes. got all, i've been able to collect all three and son of the demon's hard i actually have two versions of of that one and uh, it's just one of those stories where like if if you could find it at your local shop man don't ever say no you make sure you pick up that book the like, hardcover yeah like yeah. If, you, if it ever pops up and it's up for sale turning that book down you're going to kill yourself in the end like it's <laughs> yep. it's you need it everyone absolutely it. uh mr haas what do you got uh i had on us I had a few. I had a few. I mean, they're kind of obvious, though. I mean, uh, yeah, Dark Knight Returns is on my honorable mentions, as is 
the man who laughs. I think we talked about that a little bit. It was mentioned one or two times during this, wasn't it? Man who laughs. I mentioned I was talking about your one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the man who laughs. I mean, you covered that on the show too, right, Lauer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's great. It's it's another one and done like Batman Joker, really well written story with great art. Um, yeah, Batman or the man who laughs. And uh, I've got to mention Batman Confidential 49. That is, is yeah. the story that, that, your I, favorite story I, that, that I talk about my favorite single issue story. So I, I can't favorite not, story, not on his favorite, not, list. not even on the favorite list, but yeah, like I have to bring that up. I was trying to, again, I was like, I don't want to say things I've said before, you know, yeah. within reason, but, uh, but yeah, got to mention that one. Bravo. Uh, I just have two and they're fairly, oh, I've got a couple. So three jokers I didn't put on because I want to give it a little bit more time, mm-hmm. a little bit of a gap, and then I want to read it again uh, and see it. And then there's a really good chance that that would somehow pop on the list. I don't know what it would knock out, but because uh, that book I loved uh, from the get go, but I do. I just want to give it a little bit more, a little bit more time and reread it and see how it holds up. Also, Scott Snyder's Black Mirror. Um, incredible yeah. story, and then yeah, also yeah, almost made my list. Yeah, this one maybe be debatable, but I love Death of the Family. His mm. uh, new Fifty Two Joker yeah. stuff too. I want to. I think it. there's such good horror elements there, and like the point of it of what Joker's trying to say and everything. I just think that's. I, I mean, think that, it's that whole Snyder run is great up until you get to I, Robo Bats. You know, I wanted to put. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't Bunny. I wanted Bunny. to. I wanted to put the uh, the J- the entire James Tynan detective rebirth run on there it's as so honorable good. mention. I well, love it so much. You. I know some of y'all don't aren't, aren't huge fans, but I t- I tell you what, it's so good that we did an entire BOF episode that was like three hours as long as that podcast. maybe was longer than this episode. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. maybe. over the one dang run, and so <laughs> it worked for some people. I love that yeah. run. I mean, if you, I mean, you know, me and Ryan I'm talking. in the minority. I'm in the minority of not caring for it. I get that because people love it and you guys love it and you're not alone for sure. I just found out. I just, I just found out that they released an omnibus of that entire run in December. So I'm like, somebody's going to spend some money. Yeah. Get it. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for sitting through this, uh, this lonesome dove episode of the Batman book club. (laughs) Um, it, it's been fun. I enjoyed the list. I enjoyed talking, um, some of our deep cuts are, and then of course our, uh, our wildly popular, our fan favorites. Um, let's start with, um, let's start with Ryan Haas. Uh, do you have any plugs before we no. say goodbye? Yeah. Just, no. follow, whoa. just follow me on Twitter at SMB underscore Ryan, follow the Batman podcast network at Batpod network and follow the super mario brothers the movie archive website yes at smb movie and of course you can also hear me on the robin everyone loves the drake podcast at eltv podcast excellent mr minnesota not you pete garrett <laughs> not, not middle initial uh yeah you know i'd like you uh to follow me at twitter as well i always say i like to keep the conversation going and if you like to talk about batman I am there to talk about Batman. If you like Masters of the Universe, the Minnesota Vikings, Superman, um, you Jim know, Kelly. My, yeah, J, Jim yeah, Kelly, Jim Kelly, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my kids, whatever you want to talk about, you can find me at Garrett Wado. That is at G A R R E T W A T O. Um, if you like listening to podcasts about Batman, and you must because you're listening to this one, uh, check out um, the Batman on Film podcast 
these guys all make appearances on some of the recent episodes. And we are, uh, you know, super excited to lead up to Matt Reeves, the Batman. We're just about a year out from that. So it should be a very exciting ride there. So tune in, listen up, and uh, let's talk some more. Excellent. Pete! You can follow me on social media. That's Twitter, Instagram, and Zach Snyder's favorite Vero at Pete Illustrated. You can follow the show straight out of Gotham that I co-host with the champion of Long Island, Eric Holzman at straight underscore O underscore G on both Twitter and Instagram. Please check out batmanonfilm.com for my reviews of Man Back, Dark Detective, and Detective Comics. Please check out Batman on Film YouTube for my interviews with Lauren Lester, Kevin Conroy, Michael Uslin, and uh tara strong among others um and yeah let's just uh also i also have a facebook page uh straight out of gotham and a facebook group straight out of gotham so check that out that's for newsworthy content and just fun discourse and uh thanks for listening uh definitely of any of them track down his interview with tara strong and pete will definitely (laughs) he will release a a deleted scene a deleted scene of him uh, interviewing her so (laughs) you guys (laughs) <laughs> that's true she knows who you are she does not know who we are mm. um you can follow the batman book club on twitter at the batman bc also on instagram at the batman bc for upcoming episodes latest episode drops as well as sometimes some giveaways in which uh there might be one coming up here pretty soon you can also follow me on twitter at lauer underscore ryan peter lauer but like lower uh you can write into the batman bc at the batman bc at gmail.com for questions or comments any concerns or uh complaints about uh captain marvel or anything going wrong in your life tweet at final e33 uh you can now support the batman book club on t public with uh merchandise stickers notebooks uh t-shirts any designs anything uh if you want to support the show you can do it in a way that doesn't cost you anything except 30 seconds of your time you can rate and review the show on apple podcasts the link to that uh, page to rate and review is in the description of this episode uh the more reviews we get the more it helps spread the word and as all four of us here know that word is anecdotic so for ryan haas for garrett grab for peter vera and for eric holzman in spirit i'm ryan and until next time read more about